Hey everybody, welcome to Season 3, Episode 9 of the Hard Truth Inside the Football Industry Podcast with me, Philip Eidson, and Darren McAnthony, Chairman and Co-Owner of Peterborough United. Now, we're going to do a little bit of a different format for the podcast this week. We're going to start by discussing the week at our respective clubs, but then we're going to be bringing in three Peterborough United supporters to discuss directly with Dara the recent goings-on at the club. So we'll bring those in in a few minutes. But Dara, let's kick off things like we always do and look back at the week and a, a welcome return to winning ways, I think, for you. Yeah, no, really, really good, um, productive five days or whatever, a couple of wins. I mean, I know everyone goes, oh, the cup, the under-21 Spurs, but, you know, the media and a lot of, like, negative people are saying we've lost six in a row. So if you're going to count cups in the six in a row, you're going to count wins, right? So, you know, yeah, I think the manager, you know, Bolton was kind of the start of it, go back to the formation he wants to play, played it against Tottenham. Obviously, it's their kids, should have won the game 7-8-0, you know, but that yeah, clean sheet, goals, you know, on the front foot, looks very good that the... the the way he's the way the players are playing, the way he wants them playing. Saturday then Port Vale started very well. I didn't realise Port Vale were unbeaten in five because everyone's like, oh, it's Port Vale, we should be beating them. Sometimes you, you can't be arrogant with that attitude. We're Peterborough United. You know, I, I cringe sometimes when I see people like, well, you know, yes, of course, with our budget and where we've just been, you, you want to think you can beat anyone in League One. But if you start saying, well, you know, comfortably you should be beating them. No, you know, Port Vale, teams like that, you know, Port Vale's not a small team. You have to be respectful. They're a really, really good, competent manager, you know, and, and it's like Fleetwood the week before. If you drop the level a little bit, you know, you lose a football game. You know, somebody said to me over the weekend, oh, you're playing Wimbledon. You know, that's an easy win. And again, you know, I know it's cliche, but there is just no such thing as an easy game in football. No, there's not. You know, you just have to be respectful to the opposition. So Port Vale for 10 minutes were very good. Well, probably five minutes and we're finding our feet. And then from the 10-minute onwards, it was pretty much one-way traffic. It was very comfortable defensively. Created some good chances. Paku was unplayable. Ricky was unplayable. It was really funny because I, I, I tune into BBC Cambridgeshire. I turn it on just before the game. I don't listen to the half hour before. And straight away, he's like, I'm in my kitchen. I've got on my TV. And Franny Green straight away is, um, what was his first few couple of comments? You know, uh, with this team, you know, the way Grant has it, you know, where the goal is going to come from, you know, Ricky J. Jones and Paku, they're not going to score on goals, they're not going to make goals. You're relying on Johnson Clark Harris, da 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 da. You know, again, you've got to question recruitment. Again, you go to this, again, you go to it's like, oh my God, like, like, can we have five minutes off? Can we change the script? Can we change the narrative? Can some of these one dimensional commentators come up with something else that's productive or creative or constructive? It's just the constant same shite all the time. But the best players in the game were Ricky J. Jones and Paku. If they weren't in the game, you don't win the game 3-0, in my opinion. And, you know, it was a comprehensive, very comfortable victory. Could we have scored more? Yeah. But after the run, the players won. I understand what was maybe a bit tepid in the second half. But it was professional. It's another clean sheet at home. It's another load of goals at home. You know, and now we move on. Then then somebody, I, I got a message, it was off. I can't remember it was from. Geez, you know, you've given a five-game head start to a lot of teams and da-da-da-da-da. And then I was like, okay. And, and Alan Swan, to be fair to him, I'm going to give him credit here. He's realised that with some of the stuff he's put in an article yesterday about fixtures. Tell me the top three teams in our league, in League One, have those teams played Plymouth away, Portsmouth away, Bolton away, and Derby away? Because I don't think any of the teams at the top of League One have played those four away fixtures in their first 10 games. And the good news there is you're getting them out of the way early. Yes, we didn't win the games. Yes, you know, Plymouth, we were awful. The rest, we could have picked points up in. But the point is, no one in that top three, I don't think Ipswich, Plymouth, 
or uh, who else is third or whatever else up there, Portsmouth, have played that level. Of, because those four teams are going to be up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bolton, they're going to be up there. So I don't think anyone in the top three or four have played those away fixtures. We have. So, yes, we haven't been on our best. But, you know, the manager, the staff, fair play to them. I just said to him, yeah, on Saturday, really happy for you and the staff. Not the players, you and the staff. You know, because obviously you've, you've weathered a little bit of criticism. You now get the weekend. And now it's a big away game at MK Dons next week. And now we have to get over that hurdle of start winning away from home. And then you put it together. So, young team on Saturday. A lot of good performances. Not really any negatives. Um, and, and you move on. And that's what you do. So, and, and Clark Harris, I think, 7 and 10. Yeah, top scorer now, isn't he, in the league? Yeah, I mean, yes, of course. And someone put up today, he's up there with Ivan Tony and Mitrovic, 52. Mm-hmm. I saw that, yeah. In the, in the last two seasons. So give credit where credit's due. You know, the boy's done well. And, you know, he's, he's, he's in his best shape. He's been in for a long time. And he's had a few quiet games. He could have scored a hat-trick against Tottenham the other night. He didn't. He was getting irritated. Mm-hmm. And he bounced back. And I think the managers managed him well. And, you know, you got some of our fans saying the goalie's the player of the month in the first 10 games. But if you got a striker who scores 7 and 10, I think you got to say, yeah, I think he's your best player in 10 games. But look, Jono's Jono. Um, it's just a win. Nobody's getting overexcited. I'll get excited when we put three or four on, on the spin together, including away wins. And I think they're around the corner. And I've said this. And we don't have to play those teams again until 2023. And then on our home patch, we're hopefully tired legs. So would you rather play those four teams I mentioned away from home in the first 10 games or the last 10 games of the season? That's the question. Yeah, you know, when you get a run of when you get on your run of form at home, then you need you know, you've traditionally, except for that Fleetwood game being pretty strong at home. By the way, the Fleetwood game with 35 crosses, we had 25 shots. You know, they had three on target and they scored from one or whatever. So it's one of those days. Yeah, it was an anomaly. You know, I, I've got I get all the manager sends me the data from every game. There's like certain five points you have to hit, and we we hit every metric. We play that game nine times out of ten, we win it. Uh, you know, with, with what we did do in the game. So, yeah, it was an anomaly, but you know what? We are good at home, and now we have to be good away. We have to marry it up. We have to cut out the nonsense and the shite now. We have to keep the restless natives, you know, calm. Uh, you know, and there isn't a lot of them. The majority of posh understand, but you always get, you know, your, your ones who aren't as happy and question everything, including the, the commentators on the TV. So, um, you know, BBC are going to have to be paying me the biggest contract ever for me to work that contract next year. Otherwise, that's going in-house posh plus. I'll be bringing Edwin Overland out of retirement and I'll be getting Sam in there and a couple of ex-players and maybe the commentators, you know, from next season in the, hopefully back in the championship, you know, because at the moment, you know, it would have to be a very lucrative contract for me to agree to listen to that every Saturday. That'll be Posh's version of Fox News then. Uh, yeah, ah, so <laughs> Airport TV, baby, Airport TV. <laughs> so, uh, you, hey, I bet you secretly have a Fox subscription membership, you know? <laughs> I haven't gone that far. <laughs> you don't tell the truth. I've watched Fox in four months. Yeah, I stay away from all of it. CNN, MSNBC. I advise you to do the same. We do. I don't have time to watch TV. I'm running a business. Um, you know, if there's some breaking news in the world, I will turn on CNN. But that's it. Watch Don Lemon's breakfast show. <laughs> but you know what? The big question that I got from Toby on Twitter was two and a half time. Do you leave the house? No, my wife. I'm sat in the in the, in the kitchen. And I turn the TV over at halftime. My missus is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know me. And she goes, are you serious? I'm like, of course. <laughs> so I basically like walked around, was in the garden, came back in. I put on the Laver Cup, mm-hmm. watched the Laver Cup match, and then did my usual and turned the the, the laptop back on at uh, 11.56, I think it was our time, which is the time I always do in the UK. 
So yeah, I, I am a weirdo. I will apologize. You know, I, I can't help. It's the OC. I just don't know how you do it. I don't it's, know how you. I don't know how you can know there's a game going on and that you're not. Know. You don't know what's happening. It's weird. It's OCD. Honestly, it's like if Posh were in an FA Cup final by some miracle, I'd have to go for a walk around town. You know, if there were... tell him not to go into a two 0 lead at halftime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was just like, oh, I can't watch it anymore. But no, it was really good. It was, uh, yeah, I was, you know, of course, it's nice to win. I was, I was just happy for, you know, the manager, his staff, his fans. You know, there was a lot of crap last week when I was in Vegas, a lot of stuff. You know, we've got a lot of good people at the club. It's just, the, you know, and you feel for them, you know, relegation, everything else. They need a break. They need a break from the, the criticism that they, they need a break from seeing me getting hammered because it, it also affects a lot of them as well do you know what i mean like you know whatever um so it's just nice just to get a bit of respite i'd love another six months respite you know so uh but all good you know i'm, I'm look really looking forward to today's episode you know but before we get on to obviously seeing the guys let's quickly talk bradford you did a good two two you what i liked was you were losing and you fought to the final kick that's something you haven't done for a few years no, it's uh, you know it's another one that goes in that bucket of we'd have lost that last year. Correct. Um, it was frustrating in a way. You know, we took a three or four minute lead, and I think we thought after four minutes the job was done. And then we handed back momentum, and we didn't have a we didn't get momentum back, frankly. Um, and so in the end, it was probably a lucky two two. I I, I think they're going to be up there. Yeah, they've just had horrific. I mean, their form has been horrific. You know, took them through relegation. They've started really badly. We've talked all the time about momentum and how hard it is to turn around, but they've definitely got the players. They 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 won't be down there for long. I said that at the start of the season. I do. I I don't like the mugs. I like the play. Did a Sal play the, the the boy I like? Um, I don't remember actually. A little nippy number ten. I don't have a shirt that's got ten on it, but a Sal. I remember him being mentioned. I'm sure I remember him being mentioned. The the one that stood out to me was the number nine, um, and I don't remember his name, but he was uh, one with the long hair. Josh Davison. Yeah, that's the one. He's one of our youth team players. Yeah. We produced him. Yeah, we had him. We had him, and basically, um, you know, he banged around. He's one of them that's come good as he's got older. He, he, we released him. He went to non-league. Then Charlton, I think, gave him a trial. He's done well. He's quite a physical number nine now, isn't he, Josh? And one thing about him was he's such an honest young lad pro. He would play with an injury. He would play, but just the quality wasn't there at the time. Obviously, you know, with our first team and our strikers, it's a really, really difficult position to go from the youth team. But we didn't have a 23s. There, that's the example there where I wish we had a 23s because he would have got a two-year deal and he would have played the 23s and gone out on loan because I think there's a player in there. Yeah, he looked a handful. You know, first half, he didn't have much support. Second half, as they were getting the momentum, you know, he had a few near misses as well. So he was definitely a handful. He's got long hair and an Alice band now, hasn't he? Yeah, it's like first half, I think, was ponytail. Second hand was uh, Alice band. He's a man now. You know, I love, mm-hmm. I love sometimes seeing some of our kids, you know, years later. And, you know, they're playing. I've seen already this season, like um, uh, Lewis Freestone. I've seen, obviously, the left back at uh, Fleetwood from Smart Academy, Danny Andrew. And Car Pigiani for Stevenage from Smart Academy. You know, you see a few of them. There's not many you ever go have come back and gone, oh, well, we were wrong about them. So they're playing in the Premier League. To be fair, a lot of them are League Two, League One. You know, sometimes you look at it and go, Jesus, how do we get that one wrong? There they are playing in the champ or in the, you know, and we had another one on Saturday, Port Vale, Tom Conlon. So it's just a few from over the years, you know. But anyway, you got your equalizer, you dug in, you scored. Yeah. Uh, and Harrogate away next. So, um, um, you know, 
We'll see. That was, again, we lost them twice last year. We lost, I think, twice the year before. The Harrogate's leads your way, isn't it? Is that like a derby? Is that local? Is there, that got Harrogate's trying to make it a derby. For us, it's um, a little bit of an embarrassment, you know, that that's the local game now, but it is really close. Even for me, I'm from Skipton, which is North Yorkshire. I'm even close to Harrogate. Um, but, you know, it's the team that you'd always play in non-league to give them a game. And then, right. you know, a couple of years ago when they were in non-league still, they put seven pastors in preseason. Um, and we haven't got near them since. Yikes. So it's another one, you know, is this year going to be different? This will be another one of those games that will be a, a bit of a tell. Before we go into the, um, uh, the, the rest of the conversation, I want to talk about managers very quickly. Uh, I want to talk Paul Warren, first of all, in a yep. derby. And uh, just your thoughts on that one. Shrewd move for the Derby honour. I don't know how Rossini was getting on. I haven't been table watching the last few weeks. I, I, I don't think they did that bad in their first like eight, nine games. Um, but maybe, you know, they saw something we didn't and decided they needed an experienced manager. Paul Warren's a home run. It's three promotions, you know, three attempts from League One. So I think he's got like 100%. It's obviously the next level up, a bit like Darren Ferguson. That's the question mark. Mm -hmm. um, I'd have loved to have seen Darren Ferguson get the Derby job. Um, you know, but you look for someone to get promoted from League One. Um, I'm sure they paid a pretty penny to Tony at Rotherham. I imagine, yeah. I'm sure he's gutted because they've had a brilliant start in championships. You know, he's a very physical manager. He likes his teams to be very physical. Looking at the Derby players that recruited, they can have physicality up front and whatever else. So I think they're going to be fine. Um, you know, it, the proof will be in the January window. You know, A, what's the demand this year? And B, you know, do they, do they get the players Paul Warren wants in January to go on that run? But teams like Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, the minute they catch fire, like I always said about Sunderland, they're off. You know what I mean? So, so good for Derby, horrible for Rotherham. Um, but Tony's always, you know, he's at Neil Warnock there. You know, he's at Steve Evans there. You know, they're a really well-run football club, Rotherham. I wouldn't be surprised if they've got a really good manager in there and they stay up. Uh, you know, they're actually looking to do better than staying up. They're like full of Barnsley, um, which wouldn't have shocked me because they've had that momentum of same players, same squad gone up come down up again okay we're gonna go um so i hope it works out okay for them because they tony the owner who i like a lot wouldn't deserve that kick in the bollocks do you know what i mean where everything's suddenly going to plan and the champ at last and out of nowhere because it was out of nowhere we come and go hey we want your manager so yeah that's football 24 hours later is gone the deal's done that's football and and, and look you can't criticize paul warren darby are going to pay him a lot more money it's a massive football club. It's like the equivalent of us being sixth in the champ and Sheffield Wednesday come in for your manager. Mm -hmm. It's unlikely you're going to keep your manager. Um, and I know from a Derby fan, you know, that results, the performances didn't necessarily match the results. And so they felt that it was, uh, they were overachieving based on performance so far. We should have beaten them with 10 men. And they scored two goals in the final five minutes. So uh, absolutely, you know, I, I we, we should have comfortably won that game even with 10 men. And uh, we didn't. So I haven't seen enough of them, but I know they've got some quality players. They recruited a lot. So I, I listen, it's League One's League One. There's so many teams in there that, like, phew, you know, at any time. So all good. And the last one I wanted to touch on was uh, Rob Edwards today. We're recording here on Monday, but Rob Edwards has been sacked by Watford today. And Slavin Bilic has been brought in to replace him. Right. But that's typical Watford. 10 games he got. They're a really funny club. But you know, Watford, they did it last time. They brought, they fired the manager, brought a new one in, they got promoted. Mm -hmm. I guess they look at that as a formula for doing well. And then they get promoted. Billage lose four of the first five in the Prem. He's gone. And then on to the next one. So 
I was surprised they went domestic with Rob Edwards. He played great football at Forest Green. He's done really well. But I was surprised they made the move. But if you go so outside of your box and make the move, why so quick to pull the trigger? They said they felt that he's had enough games to put his stamp on the team and they didn't like what they saw. Okay. Well, look, they're a massive club. Who am I to criticise Watford? So he won't be out of work for long. You know, he's obviously a very accomplished manager. He built something special at Forest Green. Uh, they won the motion. Um, you know, yeah, he, he, I'm sure he got a good payoff. Do you think, is his stock a championship level or do you think you take a hit like that and he'd be back, you know, a bit in League One perhaps? It wasn't championship level in the first place. He did brilliant in League Two. He went from League Two to the champ. You know, he never served any time in League One, I believe. So, no, it was a punt, which was a punt worth taking when you're after talent. But to go into a club the size of Watford coming down from the Premier League, it was actually a three-league jump. He was up against it from day one. Then he had half of the squad wanted to leave because of the sales and what they're worth and he had all of that going on. It's very difficult for a young manager stepping from League Two to a Premier League relegated club with all the strikers one out, want to get moves. You've got foreign owners. You've got different agendas. If you'd been his agent, you would have said, look, go to Vince at Forest Green and ask for a pay rise. Do another year at Forest Green. And, you know, that's too quick too soon. And I hope they got him a hell of a payday because of the risk that he had to take and that was always going to happen. I hope he got paid really well for it. Otherwise, his agent needs to be sacked. All right. Well, we're going to go into uh, part two in a minute of today's podcast. Um, so let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. Sounds good. All right, welcome back everybody to the second part of today's podcast where we are going to um, have a special conversation between three Peter United fans that we invited on the podcast. So Dara put a, um, a post on Twitter inviting anybody to really come on and just have a conversation about some of the things that are going on at the club right now. Um, I'm going to be structuring this a little, bit, a little bit so that we're keeping it around certain topics uh, in an order so it's not just everyone asking different questions at different times, but there's no limitations that we've put on anything that can be asked. Um, you know, there's be things I'm sure that Dara can answer. There'll be things that Dara can, but we want to make this as, um, as open as we possibly can. Dara, any comments before um, uh, I start going to the questions? I love a good forum. I love a good debate, um, a healthy debate. I, I, I know... You know, everyone was saying Levi wouldn't come on, fair play, he's on. Um, Levi said I'd bottle it, obviously, and wouldn't have him on. You know, so I'll, I'll take the apology up front now, you know, that he's now he's on. And um, I, look, I would have had Ian Gow on. I, that's who I am. I give a fuck. You know what I mean? Look, if you've got a problem with me, I'm always that guy. Tell me the problem. I'll try and solve the problem. If I can't, I can't. You know, and, and sometimes we get caught up. And I guess it's a different generation. You guys are younger. Everything's social media. Everything's behind a computer screen. Everything is exasperated by you get your anger down on a side my kids are the same you know you put shit down on social media i i've done it as well you lose your shit sometimes and then you think fuck i shouldn't have done that i i, I gotta take that back and i think that's just modern life you know there's so much lack of talking and communication sometimes it's everything is done via social media so it's really good sometimes when you're at a game and your fan says to you well i'm not happy about that i'm not happy about this and you can go okay well this is what i can do and this is what i can't do do you know what I mean? And social media is difficult because you get, I don't know how many words to answer people. And sometimes I can be salty because I get someone coming at me. I'm not saying this about Levi or anyone else. They'll have an agenda or they'll be trying to like dig me out and we just got beaten. Or we, you know, everything's just going to shit and I'm just fucking, <laughs> now it's the like hammer. Here we go. We're going to just hammer, 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 hammer. 
And yes, I can take it. It's not a problem. But I am human. So sometimes you just go, and it's like, for fuck's sake, like, give me a break. Give me a break. Like at the moment, you know, obviously we won on Saturday. And I tend now not really to be on social media, that part of Twitter. You know, the notif- you know I'm on my normal part where I'm sports, whatever, updates and comments, but not on my comment section. I don't know what's called mentions or whatever. Your notifications. I right. I don't go on there, win or lose, till Monday, usually now. It's like, you know what, just just leave it alone, you know, whatever. So I've gone on like today a little bit and it's, it's it, I think it's nonstop about the, the, the standing, the safe standing. It's just, you know, massive threads about this, 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 the safe standing. I'm just, oh God. Monday morning. I was just like, Monday morning, give us a day. Give us two days. You know what I mean? And we'll get into it. So listen, you guys have got stuff to say. Be honest. We we spoke before you came on air. I said to you guys, anything you want to talk about, not a problem. I will let you know what we can talk about, what we can't. Um, you know, and we'll all be respectful. There's no bullying gonna go on here. There's no I'm not trying to belittle anybody. I'm not trying to get the better of somebody, you know, to show to the fans or whatever else. It's not about that. So you you want to air grievances, air grievances. But let, let's do it in the right way. Let's make it constructive. You know what I mean? And and, and that way then we can because I'm a I'm a solutions person. It's not just about problems. I'm always like when people bring me stuff at club, I'm like, okay, what's the solution? You're bringing me a problem. What is the solution in your in your way of thinking? So let's go. Let's let's get at it. You know what I mean? Who wants to start first? Do we get we leave us gotta be up first, right? Well, I want to ask you the first question, because I just want to ask you, because I think this is contextual for the things you can talk about and the things you might not be able to talk about as much. If you could talk a little bit about how you, Jason and Randy, the co-owners, split responsibilities at the club. Like what are, what, what are, what are different parts of the pie, so to speak, that you're all responsible for? And how involved are you in the things that the other co-owner, you know, whichever is the responsibility, is actually uh, doing? a lot this summer so i've been like chief bottle washer this summer you know so um so in in, in any normal time it would be jason obviously likes to you know what would he work on fan engagement fan initiatives uh structure around that um how to improve the match day experience and randy would be a bit involved in that too um you know he obviously likes to have his meetings to do with the youth and you know kieran and the youth coaches and everything else um, Randy would be more about how can we improve the commercial aspect of the side of the club? You know, what can we do about um, the new stadium? What can we do about the current stadium? Um, problem solving, um, financial stuff. You know, what would I do? So obviously everyone knows, yes, football is my thing. Uh, you know, I, I would deal with this 250 football staff. So every member of staff on the football side would deal with me. I would deal with obviously the CFO to do with doing deals, factoring deals, that kind of thing. Budgets, I would obviously spend a lot of time with a management team in regards to everything from the transfer window. If a manager quits, they're ringing me. If I have to fire a manager, I'm ringing them. You know, I think that hasn't happened for a few years, actually. Um, and, you know, player issues, player problems. You know, this morning, you know, I'm on the phone with a manager. I was having my time for an hour. Then I'd Liz for an hour. Then I had the sports science department for an hour about a player who's had continual hamstring issues and want to find solutions. It could be even like minimal, like I was Thursday, Ricky's agent was on to me, you know, about Ricky um, and about, you know, not about his contract or anything else, about, you know, what else we can do to help him at 19 and did it to deal with the other side of the game. Obviously, young players see some of the stuff written about them. I'm not saying this is about Ricky, but that's just... An, you know, side and I go, look, we've got a person who works with the players at the club and this is something we can do. And, you know, so 
you can throw in the mix there. There's, there's, there's something we had safeguarding not to deal with yesterday. So there's lots of different stuff. It's not just, and obviously I'm the, you know, if I do transfer deals, negotiating contracts, and obviously the, the owners want me to be the media guy. So again, I'm wheeled out Sky, you know, Sky, BBC, those people want me on. Yes, I'll do it. Even though I, I didn't do it on deadline days, so I was just like, oh, I don't want to do it on deadline day, but I'll do Sky the transfer window and, and be the smiler and be the optimist. And, you know, so we all have individual roles. There's many times stuff can cross, um, but we each work within our own areas. And so, again, there's some stuff you'll say to me and I'll go, well, uh, there's not a lot I can say about that right now, but that's been worked on by everyone together. And before I came on the call as well, I had a Zoom call with my partners. So that was the first Zoom call we were all on together since we saw each other in Portugal. So that was that was obviously a long, long agenda, a long list, um, you know, before I came on to you guys. So yeah, there you go. All right, so I'm going to start it with um, some questions that uh, I know the guys had around the stadium. Uh, Levi, I'm going to open it first um, to you. I think that you you had something around the terrorist situation you wanted to cover, but you know, fire away with any stadium-related questions you might have. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, first of all, what has happened with the terrorists over the summer? Like, obviously, um, well, in the championship, it, it wasn't sort of able to use it. Um, I, I think it's. I think I'm right in saying that sort of we had to um, start sort of the plans not on not on the terrace sort of to, before the last season finished. However, you know, I would probably say that January time it looked pretty unlikely we were going to be a championship club again next year. I think for a lot of Peacock fans, the terrace, and I, and I recognise that you know there's lots of clubs who aren't in the same way as us, but um, the terrace is great for posh fans because it means you can go with people who. Um, who you know wouldn't go so much and they can sort of you know you can sort of stand with them like me personally this year i i, I had a season ticket last year i, I go, go every week my, my brother who i go with can't go every week um we can because he he had to buy tickets next to each other um i no longer bought a season ticket this season i still been to every game but i didn't buy a season ticket um and then i'm just sort of wondering what's happened you know the first game of the season it was okay different but okay and then now we've sort of it's sort of been half empty. We had Sheffield Wednesday, which should have been a massive game. I, I was sort of in a position where it was like watching a preseason friendly. There were very few people around me. Um, the atmosphere was sort of non-existent. And it sort of feels a little bit like home games this season. The life has been sucked out of the terrace. You know, I, I know it's not always amazing atmosphere in there, but um, it, it definitely feels like it's sort of worse than it has been for a long time. So I'm just wondering what has happened to the terrace? Why why has it not been full? Um, so we, we made the decision that we had to get that done. You know, we weren't going to spend millions on knocking it down and putting seats in. It wasn't viable to do that. Um, the best option was the safe standing, you know, the, the rail seats and whatever, getting it all done. We still felt we had a chance of staying, even though people maybe didn't. So we made a decision. We were going to go ahead and do this. Um, we, uh, we made a decision, look, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done this summer. You know, we went out to tender, you know, to put it out there for pricing. You know, we, we went to four different people pricing to get it done and we chose one very good operator to get it done on time unfortunately one of the people we didn't choose got the hump and made it his life's mission to report us over everything and this is something i shouldn't even probably say but went to safety advisory nuts bolts the first match of the season he was there with a picture and a camera taking pictures of it and sending it to those um who make those decisions about shutting down areas and stuff whilst the only other club he actually got the job to do didn't get it done on time which was in the championship. So we've had a lot of that going on in the background. 
Um, and that's meant that we had to close a section over the percentage of it. We had to appease the SAG uh, committee to make sure that it was safe, clean up all those bits and pieces you saw. Because it was at the end, we were against time and it was maybe semi-rushed. And it was opened when maybe a large percentage of it should have been open, but not all of it. And we then had to make sure we had stewards overdoing it on checking everyone and making sure that it was, because we, we had inspectors at the first few games. And if the inspections went against us, it would have been a disaster. And that was all based on this guy terrorizing us for not getting the job in the first place. Um, put that to the side, we're going to be, I think, at full capacity in two home games time. I think your biggest gripe would be you couldn't get to sit next to each other or choose the one next to each other, correct? There's an issue with groups. That is de definitely one of the issues, yeah. And obviously it takes the atmosphere away because you can't charge up and down like you used to and whatever else. Well, there's nothing I can do about that because we want to be back in the championship in seven months' time. And we're going to need seats, otherwise that stands closed. Otherwise, we're going to lose the, the potential of having 1,800, 2,000 people buying tickets. Um, but what we can do is we can clean it up. We can have less, you know, Gestapo-like uh, policing or, or, or safety as the stewards, regards to the way they're doing it at the moment, monitoring people. I see people have asked, can they move everyone to the Desco? Well, the problem with that is you're still going to have people who want to be in that stand. You're going to have like life hard, die hard fans who are going to want to be there. They're not going to want to move to the desk out, correct? So then it's finding that compromise, you know? So when we spoke this morning as an ownership group, we spoke about in March, whenever we do season tickets, what we need to do this time is we need to give people like yourself and other groups of people who are coming their tens of 15 or 20 people together to be able to go in and buy a batch together and also have a sign for their seat in their area and maybe give people a little bit more time so that it's organized a bit better. What other suggestions would you throw at me that we could do? Uh, I don't know. First of all, I, sh I should say by the way, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. One, I'm not one of these people that goes in sort of a group of group of twenty and you know sort of you know likes to charge around because he scored a you know fifty fifth minute goal against the bottom, bottom table, bottom half club. But, Unless um, it's Ronnie Edwards scoring an OG. Honestly, I have a strange Twitter for that. Don't worry about that. But, um, but um, I, I just was wondering, was, was there no sort of option for us to say okay say okay well when you know we're not in the championship this season we don't know what's gonna happen yes everyone here want most of us here want us to get back into the championship next season but last time we got relegated it took us you know several years to do so who knows it may happen again it may not we don't we don't know um there is supposedly at some point who knows a new stadium coming around the corner anyway was there a real need to completely knock it down um and so or could we not have said well we're in league one again now um and this is we can keep it this way for, for yeah because the way we looked at it was we're, we're optimistic we plan with optimism so the plan was to still be in the championship and at the stage of planning and organizing and pre-ordering parts in a world where inflation's going through the roof decisions had to be made early and they were made around a time where we could still stay in the championship levi so the decision was if we didn't go ahead and do that a it would have been probably 60 percent more expensive b um if we didn't do it, we would end up with an empty stand in the championship if we'd stayed in the championship. And that would have been seven figures and losses that we couldn't get in revenue from ticket streams. So the decision was made rightly or wrongly. And obviously for some it's wrongly, and I apologize for that. We made it with the right mindset, you know, with the right positive mindset. You know, I always, I, I like to plan for success, not for failure. You know, if, if I, if I turn, I'm superstitious like that. If I turn around and said, you know what, it's February, March. We're not going to sign off on it. We're not going to agree to deal because we're probably going to be in League One. In my mind, that means we're fucking definitely going to League One because now I've just put the kibosh on us and bloody cursed us. So I couldn't do that. 
So I like to think the other way and go, you know what, we're going to stay in the champ. Um, you know, that brilliant recruitment is going to come off. We're going to like fly. I'm taking the piss. We're going to fly, you know, and stay in the champ and everything's going to be fine. Hopefully it's a year. But you're absolutely right. If we're in League One for three, four, five years, it's like, fuck, there goes our lovely stand that we all enjoy, you know, and 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 here we are. But I can't change the past. Um, you know, I always say the past doesn't pay the future's bills. You know, all I can say is it's there now. We have to make the best of it. And, you know, if you and your brother aren't enjoying it or you can't be together or whatever else, you know, all I can say there is you've got to move somewhere else in the stadium where maybe it is better for you, you know, and, and that's maybe not ideal for you, but it's the only solution I've got. There's nothing I can do, you know. So if Rome was built in a day, hey, but I didn't build Rome. So I wasn't involved in the process. Um, so that's where we are. And, and any other solutions that are viable, I'm all for it. And we do listen, regardless of what people think, we do listen to fans. And, you know, as an ownership group, when we're on these, you know, we do an agenda like today, a lot of time goes into the fans. Today was because of a lot of the stuff on social media about people's unhappiness in the in the safe standing. So we're discussing that in detail, going, right, well, what can we do? You know, what is the solution here? And it's 30, 40 people who are unhappy. You know, if it was all 1,800 people, it's like, okay, do we move them to the desk? But it's not. Um, so I, I don't know. That, that's where I am with that one. Maybe that's not a satisfactory answer for you. So we'll have to get on to the next question. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. And John, anything that you had to add related to stadium questions? Yeah, I guess um, I don't actually sit, uh, stand in the terrace. So it hasn't massively affected me because I was in the South Stand anyway. But I think it has been noticeable that the atmosphere is not quite as good as it has been. Not saying that London Road is particularly an electric stadium, but it can get up at, for night games and things like that in particular. There's definitely been an influence. I thought the Tuesday game against Sheffield Wednesday was good, the atmosphere. Yeah, it, it wasn't bad, but I, I, I personally, I feel like there's definitely been a reduction in noise levels um, in general. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know whether this would be feasible, but would you ever consider like a, a singing section? Because at the minute, it feels a little bit sparsely populated in there. I know the terrace in general is where the singers go, but could, could you come up with that? And I, I guess part two of my question would be, what about the new stadium? Obviously, we hear a lot about the sort of like development of London Road, but we haven't really had too much of an update. It's still still a bit murky. I, don't, I'm, I mean, I don't know what Levi and Bucks think, but I don't really know where we are with the new stadium. Um, we were told it was getting built by a certain date. I'm guessing that date is now gone. Um, so kind of like what is the latest would be quite good. Yeah, I mean... I'm. For me, it's not my neck of the woods. It's, it's Randy's dealing with it. Um, you know, yeah, can I give you an update on where it is right now? It's not happening today. Um, you know, but it, we're not giving up on it. Um, there's a lot of politics involved. There's ever-changing moving parts. There's people coming into power, out of power. We all know where we want it. Um, we believe we can deliver it. We believe we've got the finance in place to deliver it. Um, we think it would change. You know, I, I was talking about a report we put into the city, which showed over 15 years, nearly 300 million and ancillary revenue that goes to the city of Peterborough. I think anyone with a brain can see what new stadia does for cities, particularly in America, with like you look at the NFL, you look at different things. You know, I was in Vegas. Vegas gave a billion dollars to the Raiders to build that $2 billion Death Star Stadium. Why did they do it? Because of what happens in the city. We're not asking the council for any contribution to the stadium. You know, we, we want to build a stadium that we think can change the landscape for everyone, for the football club, for the city, for that site. Um, you know, have events 300 days a year. Um, we want to do it. We, we honestly think like it's it's a game changer. 
because I'll always say there's so many fans in the city that maybe have moved the last two years with the migration to Peterborough from, say, London and areas that are too expensive. Now people do a, is it a 45-minute train to London to work or a 50-minute train? There's a lot of families that have moved. We know they'll come to championship games. We know in a nice new shiny stadium with nice toilets, their wives, their kids will come. Some of them won't come to the current place we're in. So we know the uplift that will happen for the team. So it's not coming from us that it's murky that we don't want it anymore. Trust me, we've already spent like nearly 700 grand on planning related stuff and, and consultancy related stuff on that new stadium. 700 grand. So, you know, Randy wants the stadium. Jason wants it. We all want the stadium. I presume you all guys want a new stadium. So, you know, Randy can get into the specifics of where he is with the council and the latest, but just from my perspective, it's something we all want. Um, and I want to bring books in here. Um, I know you had a question that actually you received from somebody else on Twitter that you just suggested in the DMs to me before we started around um, ownership of London Road. I don't know if you would be interested in posing that or if you've really got anything else you want to share or any concerns around the same. Oh, I now don't have that one in front of me. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, if you got it. Yeah, I, I don't have the, the exact, but I can paraphrase. It was essentially um, asking Dara a question around who is it like who owns the stadium is it uh you Dara, independently is it the three owners as an ownership group and kind of what's the protections there should the club ever get separated from the stadium in an ownership from an ownership perspective but, well the first protection is the covenant okay uh, unless pw united moves to a ground with a new covenant to take take it with it all right the stadium's protected london road can't have anything built on it but pw united are playing football there so the minute Peter United, the football club, moves to a new stadium. It takes the covenant with it, so to speak, which means London Road could become student flats. It could become whatever, a shopping centre, a fucking Asda, for all I care. If you're in a brand new spanking stadium, it doesn't matter. Um, as an ownership group, we set up an independent company that we all own a third of, a third, a third, a third. The fellas borrowed money to buy the stadium. That debt is on that company, not the club. That was something I was very strong about. I didn't want lumber the club with a six million pound mortgage now at the time fans were like oh the club should own the stadium whatever else but no think of the logic and what i'm saying right now our football club rents for 25 years with a 25 year renewable uh, lease okay so there is no debt related to the stadium on the football club and that's the way it was done um if it was cleared out and there was no debt could we join them together of course we could well, it was done for the right reasons. It wasn't done for any murky reasons of, oh, I'm a real estate guy from 21. What was they call me the salesman or the real estate salesman 20 years ago? And I want to build a load of flats. And, and and as if that's really the first place I go back into real estate to build flats is like, with all due respect. So that's why we did it. That, that That's the truth. Um, and, and the stadium costs a lot of money to operate. Um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. So I think it was Nick Jackson who asked you books. Was it Nick, Nick Jackson? That's correct. Yeah, that's right. And I could see the threads on Twitter and I could see the stuff sometimes when people go, where's the 30 million in transfer income gone? Where's this gone? Where's that gone? And I'm like, and I don't want to sound arrogant. I don't want to sound conceited because Levi probably said, there you go. I knew he's that guy. It, it, I, you know, what I want to say is like, just think for a moment, like you're running a football club that, you know, to, to operate and run a club like ours is over 12, 13 million quid. When I first came, it was probably five, six million quid, you know, we don't have the income to match that. So there's always going to be a deficit every year. Whether that's plugged by owners or plugged by transfer sales, that's the way we operate our football club. And when people say, but he's a businessman, 
he didn't buy the football club to make a loss. Well, I've been here 17 years and I'm still out millions of quid for my money. So really, I'm, I'm, I'm not ahead. You know, I am owed money. And if I was ahead, I would turn around and say, you're absolutely right. I'm, I take a profit out every year, you know, and, and the club owes me nothing and everything's gravy. No, I, I, I didn't buy PW United, as you all know, to make a profit. So, so you're not using posh to fund your jet set lifestyle, which some suggested. Who knew? You Who know knew? what? The, the, <laughs> the beauty about transparency and accounts and everything else that people can see, you know, there's like 0.1% of the clubs owned by fans. It's all there to be seen. You know, I, I, I said it before, the last money I took out of the club was when I sold my shares and my partners had to put in for me to get out. So that's the only time I've taken money in the last, I don't know, 12 years, 10 years out of the football club. So I am an estimate of money. If anything, I still put money into the football club, um, which is, I'm not moaning about that. I'm just, I get angry when people go, he's, you know, he's taking all the transfer income or he's spending that money on his life and did a, I promise you, you can see it all. It's there to be seen. If you can show me where I am taking a profit from the football club, I'll walk away today. So I'm not. And I only hope that doing this is puts it to bed and people stop going on about it now because it is boring. It's I would say to them, Just leave it. You've answered this a thousand course, times. I would say to anybody who doubts what I'm saying or has a problem with what I'm saying is make an appointment. Come see me at the club. You can talk to our CFO. You know, bring a shareholder with you. And you can go through the accounts that are out there for everyone to see and you can ask questions you know no problem on transparency there's no there's no hidden section there there's no area where i've nicked a million here a million there or whatever else and and suddenly you know the club owes me nothing and now it's just gravy i'm taking out all the time absolutely not i rarely even take expenses out you know of the club for flights for meetings for whatever else when i come over where and by the way i'd have no problem saying to you oh by the way the club made a three million quid profit and i took half a million pound salary because I'd fucking deserve it. You know, and I wouldn't expect any fan to go, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, no, I've put enough time in. Do you guys work for free? So, you know, that that's what I would say. And I, I would never, ever shy away from that. And I'd go, hey, if you don't like me for that, give a fuck. You know, I deserve it. I always said, we got to the Premier League. Would I take 10 million tomorrow? You're damn fucking right. We'd have 300 million on the table. I think I deserve that. Even Levi would probably agree that I deserve that. There you go. He's nodding. Keep that in video, Phil. All right. <laughs> it was some miracle, you know. So now you, you know, you make the decision, and as an ownership group, you make the decision to run at a deficit at the start of every year, and a, a pretty significant deficit because oh, this because the transfer policy ultimately, you believe, will fund that, right? So that's that's kind of the strategy of the club. Is you, you know, if you weren't running at a deficit, then you were just hundred percent self funding. You would probably have a week two budget. I would yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine if we if we didn't do with the policy I've enacted for 17 years, if we didn't run with that, if we didn't run with a bit of ownership money in there, we'd probably ninth, tenth in League Two, which is okay, which is fine. You know, some some clubs, some fans, if you know, if there's no expectation, if that's it, and you want to do a crew or you want to do a Colchester, you know, that can be done. What what I've always tried to do is is set the club up in a way where it could prosper. It could always have a chance. I know Levi will criticize and say, well, you spent eight years in the wilderness in League One. I would answer that and go, well, I tried my best and I don't think we ever fell below whatever it was, 8th, ninth, 10th, you know, a couple of times we should have been in the playoffs, a couple of times we should have got promoted, I think we won a cup, and then we did get promoted and we should have got promoted during COVID season. So whilst you might not have liked it at the time, we were always pretty competitive, 
you know, I think it was the season Grant fucking beat us to it at Doncaster. It was the last day of the season. We beat Burton. They beat Coventry. You know, the following year was the COVID year. We should have really won the league and Ivan was with us and it was shut down. And then the following year after that, we did win promotion. So, you know, and yes, before that, there was a few years where it was kind of like up and down. But it was never it was never up and down in a Gillingham way. There was never a danger of that. It was always, we, we, we had belief. We had, our fans always thought, well, we're going to win every game still. They still had that. I would hate our fans to have a mindset of, oh, fuck, you know, we're, you know, we're, are we going to win this week? Are we not going to win this week? And I don't want to sound arrogant about that, but that's based off of the good policy, transfer policy, one that not everyone agrees with, but one I think is like a, a safety net for the football club. And, 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 you know, when I say a safety net, you know, this summer, and I was going through it the other day, and I have all the emails, I turned down £14 million in bids for players. Now, if you look at what Barnsley did, Barnsley took every offer for all their best players. John can back that up. They sold pretty much a lot of their key assets. They sold their two main strikers. They sold, I think, their best center half. They sold, they loaned their best midfielder to the champ. You know, they 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 took out five or six very, very good players because obviously, you know, they're they're suffering like we are. And I'm not criticizing Barnsley. You know, if I come out to the Peterborough fans and said, look, there's a seven million pound hole, I'm gonna do a fire sale to clear that up and clear the debt. Is everyone okay with that? But we might not be as competitive. Do you think our fans would be okay with that? Do, 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 do you think that the Ian Gows of the world and other people of the world would be okay with us coming out and doing that? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't really want to do that anyway because I want to have a chance. I want us to be competitive. I want us to sign players. I, you know, I remember meeting Grant at the end of May with his number two and saying, look, before we get started and talk recruitment, you know, we have a six plus million pound hole <laughs> that we have to fill. I'm not sure there's an appetite amongst the owners to cover it. You know, that's the truth. You know, COVID's not been good to everyone. You know, times have been tough the last year. So I'm going to have to try and navigate us through it, player sales, player training, as best I can. Um, and bias time. The first bit of time is you go summer to Jan, and then you go Jan to summer. So you always get, you get your window in the summer, you get your second. And by the way, this is no alert that the club's in trouble or whatever else. You know, when I say that there's no appetite, Nobody in ownership wants to throw it in, but they will if they have to. So what I'm saying there is I then have to navigate around that and make sure, can I give the manager what he wants? Can I give the fans what they want? And can I get our bills paid? Because I've always been really proud in 17 years that we've never, ever, ever, ever touched wood missed payday. Always paid our people. And a lot of clubs haven't been able to do that. And I've always been really, regardless of what people think about me, one of the proudest things of my time at Peterborough, when you see a lot of clubs go out of business, a lot of clubs in trouble, we've always navigated through whatever that's been thrown at us and this summer i have to say there's a lot thrown at me this summer a lot and it took a lot out of me as you know phil do you know what i mean we'd speak this summer so um and all i can ever do is try my best and that includes trying to help the manager trying to give him the tools he needs and we can go on to recruitment we can talk all about that but you know nothing i've just said is dishonest and levi you might have you know pins to throw at some of that stuff but that's just me being completely transparent so by all means and any of the stuff I've just said throw, throw stuff at me ask me yeah just to jump in on that and this one probably isn't from me but I see fans saying it well it isn't from me because I think I understand the thing but I know what people are going to say listening to this obviously we've bought in fees for Smodix and Dembele uh, in the last two windows and we've not gone out and signed sort of that million pound player which we have in previous windows um, so I guess in transfer fees, we've made a profit, right? For the last 
two windows. Is that correct? Looking at the fees, because I imagine Smodix and Dembele, from what's been reported, is about three and a half million. So you, you go through it. So we got one point five for Dembele, um, payable over four transfer windows. So what's that per transfer window? Four hundred k ish. He had like five months left on his contract. So I, yeah. I felt that was pretty good business for someone who didn't want to be at our club. Um, we obviously had to sell on to Grimsby. You know, people always ask about undisclosed. And I always say to these fans, come to me personally. I'll show you the deal. No one else can know about that because it's undisclosed, but I'm not I'm not hiding anything. I'm, I'm going through it now. So you got 20% of Grimsby. Um, you've got um, levies. You've got payment installments. We factor the money. You pay a percentage when you factor the money to bring it forward. Um, so it's not always what you think. Oh, we've got a million and a half pounds. You know, don't forget, we have a hole from January to the summer to fill, even in the championship. Our hole going into the championship, even with all the championship money, was four million. It wasn't like when we were in the champ 10 years ago, where our players were on 900 quid a week, and we actually traded with a profit. It wasn't like that. So there's already a hole when you get there. We had like 1.3 million pounds in player bonuses for the promotion. I asked them all for the money back a year later, but I wouldn't give it back. Um, we had another 700 grand in, in club bonuses where Bristol Rovers got a promotion bonus. Um, Grimsby would get a promotion bonus. You know, the things you do when you do deals. So, um, you know, you go through the Smodix deal and everyone's going, you know, Smodix and the deal, whatever else. First off, he wanted to go and he'll tell you that himself. And he was 27. And he, this was his chance to get a good payday. And he's been really, really good for us. And bear in mind in January, when Darren obviously didn't want him at the time, the best offer we had on the table was a loan deal with Oxford. And I stopped the loan deal with Oxford. And the reason I stopped it was because my biggest fear, if he went to Oxford and he wasn't playing well and he ended up on their bench, then he's worthless in the summer. Would you all agree with that? That that's the right thing to do? Okay. So he came back and he came back. He, he didn't he didn't go to Oxford. Grant came in and he played his best football the last seven, eight games. Suddenly we go from January, a player worth nothing, to suddenly in the summer, Blackburn won him. We knew Blackburn wanted him all summer. And they made five bids. And to be fair to the player, the first few bids, him and his agent were very, very cool because they understood they weren't great. But then when the bids were better, they weren't as cool. And it's not a dig on them. At that stage, the player's like, you're stopping me. She's stopping me like getting like a really, really good move to a really good football club uh, and on a lot more money. So, um, and then the biggest problem for me was not having another club to do a bit of a, com a compete so I can kind of inch the deal up and inch it up and inch it up. But we were prepared in May. We'd, we'd spoke to Grant, spoke to the management team and said, look, Sammy will probably go in the summer. You know, he's, he's our highest paid player. You know, it will help with the hole we have. And that's the truth. And Grant understood that. We we're very honest about that. You know, that's the price of relegation. But the problem with the deal we got was, again, nobody has money up front to pay. The the, the Blackburn deal wasn't two and a half million. It was 1.8 plus add-ons. And we still owed Bristol City 500 grand. When I bought Smodix, it was a million over four years. 250, 250, 250, 250. So you have to pay. If you, if you sell a player and you still owe a club, First thing that happens is that club has to get paid back. So there's 500 grand straight away. So there was no massive windfall of money, like everyone thinks. But that didn't stop me trying to navigate and do deals. You know, because I'll then do deals. If we have to buy a player, I'll do it over time. We have to go, you know, we bid for a player in League Two. 
we bid for various players or whatever else, you know. And then everyone had to dig at me because we signed, obviously, Efron Clark. You know, no word of a lie. If one of you wants to hang around, I'll find you the email from Grant. And you can see the email yourself. He wanted him in June. And I know Levi's posted on Twitter, you know, Efron Clark was signed as Dara wanted him, whatever else. No disrespect to the boy. I didn't want to sign him. And Alan Swan, if you're listening, don't make a headline of that because I don't want to kill the kid, okay? It was, I'd seen him with Jack Taylor a couple of years ago and we were looking at doing a double deal. We played them in a preseason. I was out in San Diego at the time of Comic-Con. I like both him and Jack Taylor. But he never kicked on. He's, he's kind of been at Barna too long. My manager had a call off an agent about him in June. I was in Dubai, rang me. And I said at the time, you know, no. You know, as a club, I'm not sure. You know, Um we then played them, and Barry and the manager, non-stop about it. Now, to be fair, he destroyed us when we played him. I think he'd set up and scored a goal down that side, did very well. And again, after the game, really like him, really like him. And I'm kind of like, mm, you know. And then I did a lot more analysis on him, a lot more. And I was like, I can see he needs a challenge. And he could be one of them players who could step up, technically all day long step up. Can he step up mentally? Can he do everything that needs to be done? And Portsmouth were heavily in for him. And the manager, we, we would look at getting a Nottingham Forest boy on loan. We looked at buying a player from League Two. And we were looking at it all. And we were going away from, the manager wanted a 4-3-3. And suddenly we're looking at 10s because of the way the start of the season had happened. And Sammy wasn't a traditional 10. He was a wrecker in a midfield three. So, you know, we're having these recruitment meetings. We're having these conversations. We're talking about players at 10. We're talking about players. And then one morning, I woke up. And the manager can back this up. I think it was a Sunday morning. And there's an email from the manager and it might have been a Monday morning, going, Chairman, you know, I met with Baz again, I met with Cliff again, and he goes, I really want Efron Clark. I really want the player. You know, I wanted him in June. I wanted him in July. You know, I don't want that player. I don't want a 10. I don't want him. I want Efron Clark. He can play as a nine, and he can play wide in a 4-3-3. And he can definitely play as a nine. And he goes, I think he's got massive ability. I think I can develop him. And that's who I want. And the boy wants to come more importantly, um, and he wants to come to us over some bigger teams in League One. At that stage, I was like, you know what? I often get criticized for disagreeing with my manager or, or we do our own thing. I was like, okay, no problem. If that's what you want, that's what we'll do. My email back was, Baz, here's the deal. Try and get this deal off with Barnett. That's it, take it or leave it. As regards to the player, this is the deal. Take it or leave it. If either of them say no, we're moving on. That was my way of basically saying, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get you the player, but if they say no to both of those things, we move on to another option. Well, fair play to the player, him and his agent, brilliant. They they worked it. Tony from Barnett ended up bringing me because he was moaning, you know, he wanted more, wanted this, wanted that. And I said, Tony, it's not happening. We've bought players from you before. We've done very well. Jack Taylor, Ronnie, you know, you know, we're, we're tapped. That's the best I can do. Yeah, but Portsmouth and this club, I'm like, I haven't got it. Yes or no? And if you're fair to Tony, it was yes, we did it. And, um, and the player and his agents came with me and Barry to the Stevenage League Cup game. And sat with us and we met the manager uh, and really really nice lad and i'm glad we signed him and i know some of you are like already writing him off and he's a player he's a very good player and he's a very good character and he's very our manager likes players who are what's the right word you boys are all the english lip boys and the, the posh boys now at your studies what's the right word that he, he's he's multi-functional can play three positions can play left wing right wing can play a nine you know has has the adaptability you know, to play in so many positions. I think Grant really likes that type of player. You know, just like, you know, Grant McCann, the player, was a certain type of midfielder. You would almost say he had flair. 
He liked the goal. He liked an assist, whatever. Grant McCann, the manager, likes a hard-working midfielder. Some two very different people. You know what I mean? So, and, and I do my best to give that manager what he wants. You know, hence Ben Thompson came to the building. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and Hector was a project. And him and Cliff love Hector. Love him the bits. I think, like, the upside in Hector in 20 is, is like, sky's the limit. So that that's where we were over the 10, the wide player, the dip. Because, like, I can see the comments. I see people coming me, Daz Moody, you, Levi, you know, whatever else. A bit like, I remember when we signed Paku. And I, I think, Levi, you'd made a comment at the time, you know, waste of money, da da da, in the 23. I didn't say that. Well, listen, maybe you didn't. I apologize if you didn't. If anyone out there can find it on Twitter where he said, I, I know I said I know I said about Poku. I said you didn't we didn't need to sign both Poku and Randall because one of them wouldn't would never get him a fair play. Anyway. So I always said give him a bit of time. I honestly think Poku will be sensational. And if you watch Hull in preseason where we battered them, their full strength team in the final game, two things stood out to me. One, it was a four three three we played, and two, Poku was sensational. I don't know if any of you guys read that game. I mean, that was Hull's full strength side. Hull were fucking devastated because that was like meant to be their warm up to the season. And the Friday before our first game of the season, Pocky gets fucking injured. And he was like, him and Randall were sensational in preseason. And I know the manager was like, them on either side are Ricky instead of Randall. That was his whole mindset with one striker in the middle. And we played Cheltenham. We started with a 4 3 3. Ricky was on the wrong side. You know, we didn't have Pocky. You know, we're 2 0 down at half time. The baby goes out with the bat water and we're back to three at the back and we win 3 2. And suddenly that's the four. But it, it was always about 4 3 3. And, and having that flexibility and enough of it wide, because the manager made it very clear to me your wide players, sometimes you run them hard, you're going to need plenty of them because they can get injured. The amount of running we're going to expect from these players, the durability might be an issue. So you have to have that flexibility to bring an Ajibowie in instead of a Paco to bring an Efron Clark in instead of a Ricky, to bring a Randall in instead of one, you, you have to have that cover. So when everyone always laughs and says, we're like Winger United, well, no, not really. We're, we're a 4-3-3 team and we want to have nearly two people for every position and a spare. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, but we, to be fair, we've got like three wingers for every position and a spare. Like we've started, this is what I can't understand, right? We've started game on Saturday, which obviously we won. Um, I don't think we'll win too many games you know, tough games this season with Joe Ward and Bur Burroughs playing fullbacks, right? I, I can't understand the Burroughs thing at all. Uh, Burroughs obviously um, got some games at the start of the season uh, last year. He looked, he looked really good. He scored against Derby, scored against Cardiff. He was playing up the pitch. He was putting some good balls in the box. He, he was a really talented young player. We've then seen determined ever since under two managers now, I'm not sure why, to, to just stall his career. He's not a left-back. McCann himself said last season he's not a left-back. He's now playing left-back. He's played left-wing back at times. He looks lost on the pitch defensively playing left-back. He's not, not doing a good job. I don't want to... This is not me criticising Burroughs. I really like Burroughs. I think he's a good player. I don't want to see Burroughs further forward. Joe Ward, same thing. Joe Ward is a winger. Joe Ward is not a right-back. He can he can fill in a right-back for sure. He, Joe Ward himself, tweeted about three weeks ago, I'm not a right-back, but he's playing right-back. So we've got these two really talented wingers who we're sort of playing at fullback, which yes, it worked at Port Vale, Port Vale Wolf on Saturday. But um, you know, I, I can't understand why you know with Burrows particularly, we've got a really tough. I, 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 I don't think Harrison's a winger or a left back. Um, I don't think he's a winger either. I don't think in the way the manager wants to play, he has the pace to play winger. I think where the where the manager sees him as left sided central midfield, um, that's where he sees him. He can play. Uh, he has the ability, the the the, the technical ability to play in there. 
Um, and I think, yes, the conversation about why they're playing right back and left back. I saw on Saturday, it was Alan Swan was like, you know, Ward gets pushed further forward, he scores a goal. But okay, fine. So if you're playing 4 3 3, is it Ward or Pocket? Or how do you in some games get both of them in the game? And I understand. You're going to play tough games. You play Sheffield Wednesday away. Do you want what? Do you want Poku and Ward? You know, right back and left and and right wing. Um, you know, there's going to be games where you can play both. Blackpool at home last season. You know, you you got them playing there, and you, you're a lot more offensive minded. So you might have to, at times, take one out of the team. Not a problem. I don't tell the manager to play Harrison Burrs at left back or left wing back. All I know is he can do that. And yeah, he didn't start the season well. The last couple of games, I think he's been a lot better. I think the manager and his staff think he's been a lot better. His numbers have been a lot better. He was certainly he was very good defensively against Bolton. Um, and he certainly didn't let us down on Saturday against Port Vale. And he's a young player who's hit highs and hit lows. Now, if Dan Butler is fully fit, very happy for Dan Butler to play there. We think he's a fantastic left back. The decision was made, okay, we're sitting down. We've now got a couple of things we've got to get through. One is we've got a hole in the budget. Two is we have financial fair play of 60%. I have to bring in five players you want, but I have to also be able to get rid of players to get those players in. So you want X amount in midfield, you want X amount in forward areas, whatever else. You know, where can we make decisions to go, can we get away with doing this, which allows us to then invest in keeping that player or getting the player in that position? You can't, we can't have everything, Levi. It just doesn't work that way. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I'm, you know, I get this all the time. I have, I don't have unrealistic expectations. I don't expect us to be in the championship at the end of the season. I don't expect us to be sub spot signing, selling Schwadix for whatever and then spending all that money on any players. Selling Schwadix was the right thing to do, hundred percent. Like that's that's not an issue with me. I just don't understand why. You know, I, we've we've certainly wasted a lot of money uh, Who recently. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, on on players like like Randall, who who too early, you know, too early, Levi. You're too early. You're too early. Well, I disagree. But, but we'll, we'll look, look, all I'll say is there. He's played ten games for us. You're too early. Uh, if I'm going to write players off after ten games, you know, there's a lot of players who wouldn't have become legends for the football. Yeah, but fine. But then we we have Adjaboy, Mason Clark, Randall, Ward, Burrows, Poku, Ricky JJ. They all play in the same players, so. When are these all going to, you know, if these players are all going to be sort of, you know, potential superstars, when are they going to play these games? They're not going to get play games. You know, Adjaboy can't even get a, a game in the, you know, Checker Trade Trophy at the moment. He's sort of playing. Really, you have to also understand that at any time, I mean, you saw last season when we had injuries, what happened to us? When we were short and we didn't certain have certain positions covered or whatever else. The manager wants flexibility. He wants wingers. He wants wide players who can attack and score. At the moment, it's Ricky and Poku. And they've done well the last two games. You never get excited because it's a couple of games, but they've got a lot of upside. Next week, it could be Randall and Ajaboe. And it could be Mason, Efren Mason-Clark playing nine. He hasn't really played wide so far. The odd substitute appearance, I think he's put him at left wing back. And that's just late in the game, trying to chase a game to get an attacking player on. But I think he predominantly sees him potentially as a nine. So I'm not going to question a manager who's won a title I've never won. I'm certainly not going to question a, a manager who kept a very average Hull team in the championship before he was let go under new ownership. So my manager says, I like that player. He can play left, right, but actually I see him as a nine. Who might have questioned that? So you think we have too many players in those positions. I, the season's a long season, Levi. I don't necessarily agree with that. You think Randall's a bust, because I once said he could be worth 20 million. You know, he's played less than 10 games for the club. You know, this is a player who moved from the area he's from, he's young, from his family, and had a horrible time last year. He had a horrible time with injury. He had a horrible time off the pitch. It was a disaster. 
But we can exasperate that by just calling them shit all the time and just saying, like, completely write them off. But I don't write young people off, Levi. Even though we've had our issues, I'd never write you off. You know, you're an intelligent young man. But if somebody wrote you off like that after 10 minutes on the job, I'm sure you'd have a problem with that. So all I'd say there is, I get you're a fan. And you have your right to, to go, he's shit, and I don't rate him, and I don't like him, and Ronnie's this, and da 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 It's all about, you know, fans' uh, opinions. Opinions are a good thing. Opinions are like arseholes. Everyone has one. You know, but at the end of the day, to say after 10 games, or nah, nah, then you might be right. If he doesn't break through this season, yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, we've spent a lot of money on this young player. Hasn't happened. We've wasted money on it. I think we've got it right more than we've got it wrong. You're going to say we've wasted money on players? Yeah, of course. With our policy and the way we do things, there's going to be spillage. There's going to be wastage. Can I ask you, Dara, um, do you, I know the answer is, you know, ideally 100% before I ask the question, but, you know, do you have a, a target success rate on the folks that you bring in, knowing that, you know, you look at baseball, for example, you know, if someone hits it three and a half times out of 10, then they're the best in the country at what they do, the best in the world at what they do. Like, do you do you have a target hit success rate when you're bringing players in, especially when you're investing in so many young players, when you don't really know, you know, there's, there's a trajectory that you're not, you can't map out where they're going to go over the course of their career when they're so young. So many things come into it. it can be injuries, personal circumstances, mental issues. All those things can come into it. It's very difficult. You know, you assign players and you think, I've got a winner here. And then something can happen. Do you know what I mean? Just things can happen. But yeah, we do. We, we have a percentage that we, we hit, that we like to hit all the time. And there's no perfect science to it. And of course, there's village. Of course, there's players we sign and go, shit, you know, it didn't quite work out. George Grant, people would say, was a bust last year. I would say, yeah, he didn't work out. You know, maybe not good enough for the champ. Cost us nothing. We made 270 grand. Okay. So it's not a success. It's not a bust. You know, other players, people say, well, Tyrone Barnett, we spent a million pounds on him. Well, if you've seen him in the first five games, everyone thought we had the next Ricky Lambert. You know, and he was he was going to be sensational. Again, I can't speak for character, but he was he was given the opportunity, and we brought him in, and we thought he'd be a big success. That's the way football goes. There's no perfect science to it. You can't get it right all of the time. You have to get it right most of the time. So it's not all of the time. Um, but uh, you know, let me ask you a question, Phil. You watch a lot of League One, League Two football. Did you think Joel Randall would be a success or a failure, Peter? Were based on you seeing him four or five times? Yeah, I thought that it was a no-brainer to step up. You know because he, he outperformed. He was one of the best players in League Two that I saw. And I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't gone as you expected. I know we talked to Ryan about, uh, and Ryan was exactly the same. Like, that's a good one you've got there. You, you speak to everyone at that level who's seen him again and the top end of that level over 18 months. And, you know, we, we were actually surprised he came to us. So I understand Levi and Daz and everyone else will say, but the million quid we could have spent elsewhere. Well, not really, because we spent 200 grand a year over five years. So it wasn't a million pounds that we had straight away to go into the budget. People say, well, you wasted that in the budget. No, if you look at the way I've just spread it out, it's actually 200 grand. So no, not really. You couldn't have taken that money and got in three experienced players on 10 grand a week. It doesn't work like that. Not to mention those players on 10 grand a week didn't want to come to Peterborough United. So there was a lot of that in the championship. It's very different from 10 years ago when we were last there. We heard a lot of no's. We heard a lot of not interested in talking. We had a lot of people come in and seeing us, still not interested. You know, that's just the way it goes when you have to go and show people you can stay in the champ. Once you get to year two and year three and you have a record, then they're a bit happier to talk to you. So really, really difficult. So all I'd say to Levi there is don't write Randall off too quickly. He was our best player in preseason. Now, preseason, preseason. Yeah, I know you. I can see your face there. Preseason. He was one of our best players in preseason. 
And unfortunately, I think he had an issue after game one again. And everyone's like, well, he's made of he's made of glass, he's made of this, made of that. You know, you'd laugh. Last week we had a, a, an indoor game, the two strong 11s. 3-2 was the score. He scored a hat-trick. You know, the week before they had a game, 2-1. Guess who scored both the goals? Randall. He needs to take that into games. He needs to score a goal. He gets one, he goes. You know, against Plymouth, I don't know if you remember, he went around like five players, should have scored. Didn't. It's moments like that sometimes. It's inches. And you just wish it would fall for a player like that because he's a great kid. And he's, he's had a hard, hard time. And I'll defend him till the cows come home for the stuff he's been through. So... I'm willing to give him a bit longer and I'm willing not to write him off so quickly. But as a fan, I get it. You're entitled to write people off. But I mean, come back to my, my initial point, which is that Randall, we've got all these hundred young players. I don't see how Randall's going to get the amount of game time this season in order to make that make to sort of, you know, show the, the player he, he may or may not be. Because there's several players, there's several players above him in the little pecking order right now. Not really. You know, if it not really. I mean, that that's an easy one because Ricky, he's 19, he's not always been durable, he's not always played 50 games a year, he will eventually, but the odds are he won't play 50 games this year. So Randall's competing with Ricky on that side. I don't see a competition with Harrison Burroughs. So who else is he competing with on the left side? Well, obviously, first of all, it depends on playing, I mean, I, first of all, I, just, I, mean, I disagree with us playing 4-3-3, by the way, but, you know, uh, but, you know, Randall wants to play that, I understand that. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I don't necessarily see it as it has to be sort of, you know, Poku has to play right. I mean, I would play Poku and Ward in the same team for sure. I wouldn't just necessarily have that because they're both playing, playing on the right. How would you, how would you have Poku? Would you have Poku coming in from the left? Yeah, well, to me, Ward has to play as a, as a sort of, you know, on, on the right of three and therefore I have Poku. Now, I know Poku plays to play on the right, um, but Ward is our, one of our best players in my, in my opinion. This is, Joe, Joe's brilliant. He's brilliant, but he's not durable. All right, so Joe's brilliant. Like, he's played, you know, he's been with us, what, how many years? He's got 200 games. But if you look at last time in League One, I think Joe was in the team of the season and he only played 28 times. Canu played, like, 20-odd times in Joe's position to help. That's, you know, fair play to Canu. Everyone slagged them off, but he stepped up and played right wing-back. Because Darren Ferguson played with, obviously, wing-backs. And I love Joe to bits, but he misses games. So, again, you're talking about, like, players playing in wing, we've got too many players or whatever else. You know, Ricky... Is that durability issues? We're improving it. Joe has had a few issues, ankles, knees, whatever else. He's not always guaranteed to play 45 games in the season. So you need those players. You need to be able to give the manager what he needs. So ultimately what you're doing from a recruitment perspective is you're looking at how do I get the name? How do I get the games that I need into each position and how many, therefore, how, how many players does that translate into for that position? And some, some positions it may translate into two, Others, it may translate to three, as long as you've got the budget to cover it. You're kind of estimating at the start of the season how many games you think you're going to get out of each player. Absolutely. And I, I think the manager could play Ricky, John Owen Poku. And I think if he wanted to on Saturday, he could play Randall, Jack Marriott, and Joe Ward. Grant likes a 4-3-3. He won the league with a 4-3-3. People always return to the scene of the crime. It's normal in sales. It's normal in sports. What works for them works for them. So I can't argue with that. If my manager says, I want to play 4-3-3, I know everyone likes to accuse me of picking a team and pick whatever. I can't turn around and go, fuck off, Gaffer, we're playing three at the back. It'll work like that. So I then have to, you know, instead of like square pegs and round holes, I have to try and do my best to give him the tools. We talk about the fullbacks. That was the big argument before. We had Nathan Thompson and we had Benji. And then we had Joe Ward. And we had Joe Tomlinson who play left or right back. So we felt like we had four right back options. You're playing 4-3-3. Nathan can play there. Benji can play there. And Benji's had historical issues, but we had high hopes for Benji. 
Then at left back, you had, well, Dan's going to be back. And we were told he was going to be back by July. And then we had a setback near the end of July. He wasn't going to be back till September. I can't plan for that when that happens last minute. Joe Tomlinson, the manager and the staff, really liked, based on what I've seen him through pre-season. And they felt Harrison, if they did go with a three at the back, phenomenal wing back, left back, get away with it at times. So, you know, I can't go out and sign another two fullbacks and then end up with six of them in the building. Because I can't get it all into the same wage bill. None of you guys have ever tried to add up in a calculator and you're told you're allowed to spend this and this is how you make it work. It's difficult sometimes, you know, so you do your best. I want to bring John and Books in the conversation. Um, John, um, I want to let you respond to anything that Dara has said so far, but I also know that you had a couple of questions around loan strategy as well to cover today. Yeah, so just to start off with, for me personally, like you've touched on having all that depth in the forward positions. And, and for me, that's kind of not a problem. You can never have too many good players. So if we've got a lot of good players, we can rotate them. But you've touched on the fullbacks there and you've talked to Joe Ward, Benji Mensah, who we've not even seen. Like, it's hard to call him a first-team player at the minute because he's not even making the squads. We've then got uh, Thompson, who has a pretty susceptible to injuries and suspension. Um, so for me, if we've recruited for a 4-3-3, we don't have really much cover at all at right back because McCann doesn't seem to fancy Tomlinson. And then left back, I'm with Levy. I don't, I don't class Burrows as a left back at all. Um, I, don't, I don't think he can play there. And even McCann, I actually went back and listened to his interview from the last game of last season. And he said he's not going to play that next season. So I guess my question to you was, did McCann want a fullback this summer? Did he ask for one? And was he we sat down at the end of May and we went through all options and there was not one fullback identified. Fair enough. You can ask BBC to ask Grant McCann. There was no fullbacks identified or one right back that was identified if we didn't get a further forward player because they could again do a bit of both. That was the only one that was identified. So it was a similar situation to Joe Ward. We honestly felt Dan Butler would be back. He, Grant honestly felt very strong about Harrison playing left back. I think the Blackpool game changed a lot of his mindset, and rightly so. We had, I think it was it was Harrison left back, uh, Joe Ward right back, and we battered Blackpool. Yes, it was a nothing game. We still beat them 5-0. We were very explosive, very attacking. Um, I think we did well against, was it Nottingham Forest and Blackburn? I think he had Sammy Schmodix at right back against Blackburn. And I think he felt we could get away with it in League One. Now, that's not us being arrogant. We just felt with the players we had, until Dan Butler was up to speed, and he's a very durable player, Dan, that, you know, it wouldn't be an issue. And then Harrison could move inside and be one of the midfield corps. So instead of going to spending more money in areas, you know, that we would be stacked in, it would be fine. You know, Benji Mensa, yeah, he hasn't been the most durable, but he's a young player that come through it. Do you know what I mean? Nathan Thompson, last time we were in League One, not a problem. Played a lot of the season, not an issue. Do you know what I mean? Came back pre-season in the best shape of his life. He was unbelievable. Lost weight, great shape. Again, it's bad luck sometimes. But you watch us yesterday or on Saturday, was it an issue? No. Now you go watch us against MK Dons, could it be an issue? Maybe. But I do know our better players, like your Dan Butlers of the world, they're close. So this is an issue we'll leave behind. I think the other question on if we've recruited for a 4 3 3 is do you think we have the central defensive options? Because for me, Ronnie works better in a three. I don't think he's quite got the aerial. I love Ronnie. I think he's brilliant. Don't get me wrong. But I think when he has been found out, he's played in a two, right? Uh, th those have been the games where he's struggled more. And I don't think either Knight or Kent 
particularly complement him in a two. I don't think either of them are particularly commanding in the air and compensate for his own. Ronnie doesn't have too many weaknesses, but if there is one, it's that physicality. You saw it against Cheltenham and he got dominated by Nlundlu. Um, so, so and John. Nlundlu, is that the name? <laughs> I feel like it's close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I feel like it's close. Yeah. Um, the big one. <laughs> let, me, let me correct you there. So the last eight games in the championship, we I think we'd won every other game and we had a good points tally. And our best football, we played four at the back in lots of the games and Ronnie played in them to the point where I think it was not in a forest we played. Ronnie was, it was in a two. Steve Cooper loves him. Um, I think he's played for England in a two many times. I think you can end up pigeonholing and coming up with things and sayings and, and, and things stick with players. Can't play in a two, isn't great in the air, can't do this, can't do that. You know, I, I disagree. I don't disagree about we could be better in the air. You know, Josh Knight and Frankie Kent aren't mugs, but they could do better in the air for sure. Definitely Josh Knight. I mean, if Josh shows the form we all know he has, one of the best centre-backs in League One. Just obviously he likes to start the season slowly. Now he's back in the team. He's obviously, you know, confident. But, sorry, I was going to say, Ronnie Edwards, I, I, know, I, know, I know everyone's talking about Ronnie Edwards. I can't believe he didn't sell Ronnie Edwards. I really can't believe he didn't sell him. Um, like, I, you know, when we got the, the bid on, on deadline day, for me, I'm looking at our Posh's team, thinking Josh Knight, Frankie Ken, 90% of the league take those two as a centre-back pairing over the season, right? And then you've, you've brought in the, the lone guy who should be, should be fifth soon um, as a left-sided left episode. Those three centre-backs, with someone like Thompson filling in if needed, or, you know, even one, you know, would have been fine. But I'm worried now, I, 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 you know, Knight, Knight and Kent, Look, last few games, it looked a really, really solid pairing. I thought they looked pretty solid in the championship too. I think they played together, um, Derby, Derby, Reading, and, and Preston. We see two goals in three games. We didn't do well up front, but you know, defensively, they did well. I'm now worried that you know, Posh at some point, you know, I'm not an idiot. I'm going to say Ronnie Edwards. I, I know we're going to say Ronnie Edwards, but he said Ronnie Edwards. Um, Ronnie Edwards is going to have to play, have to come in the team. If you want to play four at the back, we've now got Ronnie Edwards who. We need to put in the shop window. I'm not criticising that. We do need to do that. And we've got a, a lone centre-back who's going to be expected to play. Now we've got two really good centre-backs in League One who we've spent quite a bit of money on, who I'm you know, sort of looking down the line thinking sort of first chance we get probably won't be playing. I, I just can't understand why we haven't sold Ronnie Edwards in, in, in the summer and gone with what we have and you know, brought another one in like we have done and said that's absolutely fine for League One. I really can't understand. Because the, the, the bid wasn't good enough. So, you know, at the end of the day, we, we have a valuation. You know, I, I could have sold Ivan Tony six months prior to Luton or Barnsley. The bid wasn't good enough. You know, I, I set the bids. If the bid's not good enough, we're not going to sell the player. And, you know, the club who tried to buy him even said to us, look, we're taking the piss because we're getting in before the big boys. You know, they're all busy and they're going to come back in January with bigger money. So we're just trying to take the piss. So I get that. And my answer was, look, we'll do it for this, but we've got to have the player back. That was always part of the deal to give us that because at the time we're playing three at the back. You know, suddenly we're going three at the back and it's like, fuck, you know, now we need five centre halves and we need to make sure we're covered. Now we're playing two at the back. You can go, well, hang on. You got Frankie, you got Josh. Nathan can fill in there, worst case. You got obviously Manny Fernandez is fit next week and you got Charlie O'Connell, who's a, a, a very talented young player coming through who could play very comfortably in there. And you've got the new boy Watt from Newcastle. So now suddenly you've got a mirage of centre backs in the building. And let me just dispel the myth. Grant McCann doesn't need to play Ronnie Edwards to sell him. He could sit in the bench till January and I'll still sell him. 
you know what I mean? If Frankie and, and Josh are keeping clean sheets every week, I would expect the manager to keep the same team. And I know he's that type of manager. Um, so he's under no duress to Ronnie's got to go back in that team because we need the money. It's not how I operate. You know, Ronnie will leave and we will sell him. And he'll play higher up. And one day you'll be able to tell your grandchildren, look, I took the piss out of him for many years, but what a wonderful player for England he was. You know, whatever. Um, a lot of people out there rate the boy including the guy from the under-19s who's been moved up to the 20s in England who absolutely fucking loves him. Do you know what I mean? A lot of top managers love him, you know, but it's difficult to go to their chairman and go, we want to give Peterborough X amount of millions of pounds for a League One player. It doesn't always work so easy like that. Timing's everything. Um, so I turned down the deal. It wasn't the right deal. And we'll get a better deal for Ronnie. But again, that'll all happen in, in due course. And I get you, you, you don't rate him as a player. You're entitled to not rate a player. I mean, I, I don't, you know, Ronnie Edwards at League One level is is, is okay. Uh, you know, he's 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 not he's not not in, he's not he's not one of our better central defenders. Knight and Kent are both better than him. Um, we will be a stronger team without Ronnie Edwards in it. But um, but at League One level, you know, he's he's definitely you know he'd, he'd get into the team in the league, no doubt. We'll take him at Bradford if he's available. Well, that that might be more his level. I'm not sure. I play football manager as well, Levi. All right. I don't play, I haven't got time for that these days, but you know, uh, you know, if, if I had him, I'd be get, I'd be, you know, selling him straight away. But you know, so let me, because I know we're running short on time, and we've got, got all the time in the world. Give me more. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a lot of stuff that I know that we're not ultimately going to get to, but I want to make sure everyone's kind of main concerns and questions and comments and everything are brought forward. Um, I'm going to come back to you, John, in a minute because we didn't get to talk about loans, but books. You've been sitting kind of patiently listening to all the conversation and the debate and uh, i wanted to give you the opportunity to come in with uh your own two pence so it's just um it's frustrating i find it frustrating i find it frustrating the way the way people go about things you know like levi and his and his pals there you know there's for me there's ways to, to go about things you know going when you're going in on Dara, call it the arrogant estate agent of the line i just find it disrespectful for, for a guy that's done so much for our football club and you know we, we we've been talking even in this podcast about uh league one and eighth in league one you know i remember the season before you came in was the big ron manager thing i mean christ anyone who wants to see what life was like because because i realize now you've been here 17 years down anyone who's 22 doesn't even know a time that you that you weren't at the helm because you know that's five years old they didn't even know what it was like before you go on youtube watch big ron manager and watch what a shit show of a club we had before dara i mean it's, it frustrates me look there's a generation of youngsters who are i guess probably 17 to 22 23 and they're just used to winning that's not a bad thing when they want the club to be promoted they're used to championship league one top of league one um and i guess yeah, I can see it sometimes. They're the ones who get overly aggressive. Not Levi and his pals. They can call me whatever state agent they want. But you get other ones who come at me, you know, and I'm thinking, your parents have done a terrible fucking job. Like, you're 16, 18, and you're, the idea of my 17-year-old would come out and insult people on social media, that's fucking fucking silly. And that's half of the problem. There is that little, you know, bunch out there who just go OTT. You know, as regards to Levi or Ian Gow or some of these people, look, that's life. You like people. You dislike people. There's no problem with that. It's not against the law. You want to call me an estate agent? No problem. Have at it. I'm an estate agent. I'm lucky I can sell houses the level I could. Give the fuck. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like, it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't help that. Uh, it's not a popularity contest. Uh, I can just be me. Well, you, you, you got rid of his last obsession, didn't you? So he needed a new one, I'm assuming. A new reason not to come. 
you know, at the end of the day, you're going to get that with every club. You know, we have it with my club. Um, and, you know, it's not helped that we've been in League Two for God knows how many years. Um, and, you know, we have a generation of fans as well that started supporting us when we're in the Premier League. I mean, we're, we're in the Premier League two years, you know, of our, um, and, you know, since 1917 or something like that. But those are the two years they started supporting us. So therefore, that's what they became to know is what they should expect. And then you take the tumble down the leagues and, um, you know, there's an expectation that we should be a bigger club than potentially we are. Um, so I do think that you're going to get that. And, you know, we all it wouldn't be being a football fan if we didn't have a grumble. Uh, every now and then. Hey, do you know what's really weird? Do you know what's really weird? Ian Gow, for example. I met him once outside Doncaster. We just won a game against Doncaster. Um, we scored, I want to say it was the ex um, Hartlepool boy scored as one and only fucking goal for us or whatever. It was like 2 0. Connor Washington scored a second one. Grant was like in temporary charge with Aaron McLean and Dave Robertson. And I've traveled all the way to Donny. And I've come out of the game and this family walk over and hug me. And like take pictures and say hello and it's Ian Gap. It's pretty much the only time I've ever personally met him. And I don't know whether it's the Fergie things like keep hiring his favorite manager back. I don't know where it got to the point where it's like pure hatred. You know, I've, I've never known a middle-aged man act like that in my life because I'm a middle-aged man and I've got children. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I pissed on his cornflakes somehow, but it becomes, it becomes a bit obsessive and weird. And so I, I, I really don't understand what. Maybe you could sit with me one day and say, this was the stage when I decided I was going to obsess over you and call you the estate agent or whatever else. I don't get it. Does he even come to games anymore? I don't know. He, I'll tell you this about Ian. He, he goes to games about as much as does Moody. Does he go? Ian goes. I, I, saw, he, he went, he went, I saw Ian at Coventry last year. I, I know Ian, by the way. I know Ian and does. Um, but... Um, um, yeah, Ian goes a bit too, too fatty, and he watches his Sunday football on Saturday afternoon. Uh, his son plays um, sort of Peterborough leagues at 2 p.m. He goes and watches that most weeks. Um, so let's move on. Um, so, you know, segue into um, John. I just want to give you the chance to, um, you know, if I know beforehand you shared a bunch of questions. I think we've covered a lot of them in the conversation today. But if there's anything that, you know, you wanted to get off your chest, you wanted to put to Dara about the recruitment or really any other area, because I know that um, you haven't had so much of a chance to post some of the things that you sent me uh, in advance. Uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to do so. Yeah, no, like you said, I think a lot of it has been covered. And I should just state that obviously I'm on here taking a bit of a critical approach to the questions. But in general, I think Posh get a lot right with their recruitment policy. I'm fully behind young and hungry. I think that's exactly right. I don't buy into the experience. And for me, we have a squad that should be in the top six. And I think if we if we had gone and nailed it, um, we, we could have won the league. Now, we still might. And I might look stupid but I think there's a couple of key positions where we look a little weak now there's other things that we've done brilliantly like the goalkeepers I was completely wrong about I thought I thought I called it that um we, we we'd made a mistake and we needed a bit more experience in there and and we got two unproven ones but fair play Bergstrom looks an unbelievable sign in and whoever scouted him absolutely top work but for me there's what I guess you've alluded to it Phil um there's one sort of issue um maybe issue is not the right terminology but we talk about loans you you've mentioned before that posh won't ever sign an attacking player on loan or the policy is that no no loan players come in Uh, unless we can buy them with an option yeah in the forward positions but i don't know 
would you ever consider changing that? Because you look at someone like Morgan Rogers at Lincoln and, and he was a massive help for them. Dane Scarlett at Portsmouth won in the game, scored two goals out of nothing. If that quality is available, do you not think it hurts Posh if, if we can go and not saying Dane Scarlett was the one for us because we've got Marriott and Clark Harris, but if there is a player of that quality available on loan, would you maybe we should shift and go and get them if the right player comes available. No, no. But when I leave or whatever, maybe the next people will do. But no, I'm here. And I'll tell you why. So, for example, this summer, you're 4-3-3. You're playing with one striker. So I was told it's either going to be Marriott or Jonna. Occasionally, you're going to have both of them in the team. Da, 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 da. So you go and get the boy from Tottenham. He's third fiddle. So do you get the boy from Tottenham as third fiddle or as Joe Taylor get a bit of experience and time with the squad? And he could eventually be third fiddle. Do you back your academy? Do you back your process? The other thing I'd say there is you mentioned that Lincoln have had some amazing young players, Brendan Johnson. They had the boy from Man City. Um, what happened that season Lincoln had them? Did they go up? They didn't. So at the end of the season when they didn't go up and they'd had a right go, who did they sell to cover the hole? What, George Grant? <laughs> no. No, no, they didn't. George Grant was zero. Priscilla. Right, so did they sell anyone and bring any money in to pay for the disappointment of not going up? No. What happened the following season to them? Well, they finished mid-table towards the bottom. Okay. Okay, so did that loan policy work? No, but on the same token, they they had, well, they had more than one, right? I'm talking about one quality player. If Portsmouth, for instance, don't go up this season, lose Dave Scarlett, they're not going to finish in the bottom half of League One next season. They'll still probably be punching above their weight in, well, not above their weight, they'll be punching up the league. Things, things happen in football very quickly. Things happen, you know, I remember Ian Gow was having a go at me years ago when Gillingham were top of League One. You know, look at Gillingham, they can do that. Look where we are, seven, eighth in League One and blah, 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 blah. Where's, where's Gillingham now? Things happen very quickly in football. Things move quickly. And... My insurance always for our football club is that big sale we occasionally need, and it's usually in the forward areas. If we bring a number nine in from Tottenham and I have to pay three grand a week to Tottenham and pay for the players' accommodation and everything else, Tottenham are going to insist he plays at least a good percentage of games. That means a Marriott won't play or a Clark Harris won't play or one of our own players coming through won't play. You know, I'd rather think of the long-term health of the football club than a short-term hit of, oh, we're in the top six and we're promotion runners and doing okay but there's still a percentage chance we won't go up. The boy goes back to Tottenham. He gets his move to the championship next year. Happy days. You know, it, it's just one of them in those areas where I think we can make more money from selling a forward player that's our own player than bringing a player in from another club. Now, if that club allows me an option where I can buy the player at the end of the deal, all day fucking long I'll sign the player. Do you know what I mean? I'll, I'll be up for that, you know, as long as the cows come home. That's just my personal perspective. You know, history will show if I'm wrong, right, or whatever else. I just feel it's better us owning those players in those areas of the park because there's a lot more value in selling a striker than, say, a goalkeeper. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, a lot more money. would One good striker pays for possibly two years' budgets. You know, like Ivan Tony's sale paid for the promotion the following year. You know, and, and that it goes a long way. You know what I mean? And, and if Ivan had been on loan from Newcastle, Newcastle wanted to loan him to us, and I said no. Everyone else was like, let's do the loan. Steve Evans, the loan. I'm like, fuck no. We're buying him or he ain't coming. And he nearly went to Scunthorpe on loan. And it was only because we convinced him to come to us. Thank fuck. Because he'd, he'd have scored the goals. He'd have gone back to Newcastle. And we'd be like, you know, that, and that is my, my issue with it. Look, I get what you're saying. But for me, it's a no-no. 
next person's up in the job, if that happens, maybe they'll change the policy. Who knows? All right. I want to open it up and think, you know, we're coming to the end, but I do want to make sure that everyone's had the chance to say uh, and ask any questions that they may still have. So let's go around the table one last time. Uh, Levi, is there anything we haven't touched on today that uh, you'd like to? Uh... Uh, yes, one, one question, which is on pricing. First of all, I understand that a lot to do with football pricing is a football problem, whether you want to call it that, not 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 a Peterborough problem. Um but, you know, someone sort of goes to games sort of all across the country and watches sort of, it's a lot of away games. I was looking this morning and I'm pretty sure Posh have the most expensive away ticket price in the league. Um, away fans sometimes get the, the, the desk go. A lot of the time they're stuck in a pretty old stand, wooden seats, um, pillars obstructing half the pitch. Um, and then they're expected to pay the ex most expensive ticket price in the league for that experience. I'm wondering, what is it about coming to Posh that means that that ticket price is justified? Don't know. It's not really my area. I don't spend a lot of time on the ticket pricing. I don't spend a lot of time on the strategy. You'd have to get into that with Jason. I'd say in a bit more detail. Um, you know, he spends a lot of time talking to Chris. In defence, I would say, um, what is it, 27 quid? Is that what the price of the ticket is? 27 and 29 quid on match day. I, I, I think, is it safe to say inflation is 12, 13%? It's a lot wherever it is, yeah. <laughs> so is it safe to say energy bills are gone through the roof? Everything's like costing a lot more money? Yeah, but you know, it's, it, this is the same for everyone, right? Posh, posh, have, posh are the most expensive in the league. You know, there's lots of clubs who are in a worse, in a worse sort of financial position. Yes, tranquilla, all right, calm down. I, I hear your question. I'm just trying to say, my point is, we haven't put the prices up 15, 20%. We've come down from the champ. Yes, they're higher, 27 or 28 quid. They've been like that for a few years now, I think in League One, between 25 and 28 quid. We always get the same fans moaning every away game about how shit the stand is, how costly it is. Listen, in an ideal world, fill up the uh, Desco and you get the Desco. It's a beautiful stand. You know what I mean? And then, you you know, you might be happier. But that's the price of football. I go and take my kids to an NFL game. It's, you know, $400 for like three hours of NFL football. I don't personally think 25 quid or 27 quid is a lot of money for a game of football for a couple of hours at the time. I think you spend a lot more money in a cinema or a bowling alley nowadays with inflation. So that's my opinion on it. Okay, I disagree, but fine. Um, and the other thing I would like to say is, I the match day tax thing. I just don't. I think it's doesn't. It's not good in in the modern world. I don't think. I think there's so many people who are not sure if they're working. You know, people don't work Monday to Friday like they used to do. They people are not sure if they're working or not. Um, you know, quite often I will find out sort of. You know, maybe not so much now, but a couple of years ago I was regularly finding out sort of last minute if I could get to a, to a game or not, and to just sort of chuck in two quid extra especially when the ticket prices are quite high in the first place um i, I feel like that that that's that, that something that that should, should be looked at I, I don't i don't think it's fair people i don't disagree you're hearing me in full agreement with you but i i'm 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 not getting that decision but i agree with you i i argue all the time um you know i i hate the fact that you know people on match they might not come up on a day and da -da 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 -da. you know like the old ticket games that drives me up the up the wall you know, when we go all ticket where you can't, you've got to buy in advance and you can't buy in a day. All I, you know, I'm a sales guy. I think of, you know, as you say, real estate sales guy. I think of the money you're losing. You know what I mean? If that, those 10 people on a Saturday who want to come, you know, it's 200 quid, it's 300 quid if they buy a pie or whatever else. So it's lots of things I agree with, you know, but that's the world we live in and that's the way it is right now as it is. So, and like I said, you know, you will say, well, the price is really expensive. I would always say, I actually think football outside of, you know, in the lower leagues, I actually think 
you know, I'm a dad. I've got three kids. I don't know if any of you have kids. But the stuff that's a lot more expensive, that's not as entertaining as football, you don't know how lucky you've got it, Levi. When you get kids, yeah. listen, we don't know if you're a Jaffa, but when you have kids in the future or whatever else, all right, you will see how expensive it is with children when you go outside of football to other events. Well, I know I know expensive it is. I've, I've got a brother who's many years younger than me. I do, I think well, I do a lot well, of stuff with him. I know expensive it is. He's uh, 16 Is he now. a posh fan? Yeah, he comes, he comes sort of... 25 30 games a season for sure he loves, he loves it to be fair but you know and i i you know and i i enjoy you know having he's my brother and sort of um i get to sort of you know spend money on him and and, and do that which I, which I really love um but you know i but, you know, i do understand how expensive things are i agree with you cinemas you know would i rather spend 35 quid for me and my brother on a cinema of course i'd rather watch football with him um but, but i do think you know if you know looking at people with family of three children um or you know couples I, I do think it's it's too expensive and i understand it's a it's a football issue and people may disagree with me um but but for me it, for me most important much. question is your brother a dmac out or a dmac in guy do you know what i don't think he cares <laughs> he's uh do you know what it's serious i i you know i um it I would want to say that first of all, thanks for you know bring bring me onto the show because I do I do appreciate the time and you know I, I think everyone, you know a lot of my things I tweet um because people sort of come me all the time you know you know spoilt fan and and all of this stuff I'm not a spoilt fan I go to the games I'm genuinely I'm over the result but I'm back in the car almost every single time I don't expect us to be you know a championship football team next year if we are great if we're not if we went to League Two I still go and watch football every week you know that that that's genuinely genuinely me it's sort of you know entertainment on a Saturday afternoon isn't it so I think you know people, a lot of people want to say about me that you know I, I'm sort of this young sort of spoiled fan doesn't know what it's like before you before you came they're right I don't want to like before you came but you know I do accept the fact that we we are a, a, you know a mid-table league one club and, and that's sort of where we are so just want to get that out there you know before people sort of keep telling me that you know I, I got these unrealistic expectations because well, really I think everyone's here as well because they're passionate about the club they support Absolutely. You know, and that's what makes football football. Look, you know, sometimes I can get too personal and I take the piss out of people, you know, on social media. And, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, rail yourself back in from doing that. Um, but it's just, that can be the anger of a game. That can be the passion. All I'd say to you is sometimes, Levi, you know, you're young, you're impressionable, you know, you've got a whole world in front of you. And you probably put a few tweets up at times, you're thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, I wish I hadn't bit there, I hadn't said something. And you wish you could take some back, but they're out there. It is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, just win, lose, or draw. Enjoy yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, and 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 if Ronnie has a good game, say Ronnie had a good game. Doesn't always have to be. It's not you don't always have to have the agenda where you're like, I have to say this for my agenda. Sometimes you can be the bigger person and go. Do you know what? He had a great game there. Yeah, but you know that's, that's that's Twitter for you, isn't it? You know, most you know most people who see me in person would know I'm I'm relatively most agree with me, but I'm relatively reasonable. But um, but you know, Ronnie Edwards is he is overrated, so therefore you know someone's got someone someone someone's got to make the claim, haven't they? So, uh, books. Let me bring you in for kind of any final word or last questions for Dara. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, Levi, um, fair play to you, mate. For, for coming on because that, that couldn't have been an, an easy an easy decision or you might yeah and I noticed you tweeted I wasn't going to show up so uh you know that's, that's pretty wrong yeah no I, I didn't think you would and to be fair all your mates would have been down the travel agent straight away right? they would have on, on their holidays like the fans forum but 
you know, fair play to you, mate. And actually, you've come on and you've made you've made some good points. And actually, I can sit here and actually listen to even the ones I don't agree with. I can sit here and go, actually, well, no, the way you've you've put it across, and I, I know Twitter's not real real life, so fair dues. But on there, you, do, you know, you come across a lot worse. I don't think you do yourself justice on there. Um, but you know, that is what it is. Uh, Dara, I think I think what I'd say to Dara is, where are you now uh, in terms of your your life in positive. So, for instance, I know going back years gone by, you were like, "I'm good," you know. One day my son will take it over. Probably you wouldn't wish. You probably wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy now, let alone your son. Um, but where are you? Where Where are you right now? I think a lot of people would like to know that. I, I, I got you. I got you. So, so look, the reality is, I said this recently again. Honestly, yeah, hey, things change for a reason. Things change in life. You know, I've got two kids now, like seventeen. 16 they're at that really important stage for me college my wife's brought them up brilliantly but i have to do my bit now and then to get them to good college that's why we moved to america i want them to go to like top tier colleges and do really well i don't want them to be like me and not have a college education i lasted seven days of college and i did okay in life but life's a bit different nowadays so you know the idea of having them in america get them to good colleges give them the best chance so i'm going to spend a lot of time the next 18 months first with my son then with my daughter to get them both to college so Football is not going to be a priority for me as of next summer, with all due respect. Um, you know, my family have taken a backseat to Peterborough for long enough. Um, so next summer, you know, I, I will not be at the football club. So lots of things people want to know what happens and, you know, new recruitment ideas and different ideas. And da -da -da, you're going to find out. Is that is that a temporary thing, though? Is that as in you will be taking a backseat or you, you will have no involvement with the club? No, I, I no, I couldn't. I couldn't own something and not be involved like that. So that would drive me mentally mad. I need. I'm one of them people. I need to be all in. You know, I can't be half in or whatever else. Or, so I, I will need to sell, and I will need to take a break from football and just go and do my shit with my family. So that's what I will do. Whether it's my partners who buy me out or someone else who buys me out, you know, that is my mo. But I'd like to sign off for the promotion. So you, you know, that would be ideal. And, and and move on from there. And as Levi and others have said, you know, now someone else gets a chance to try and get it right in the championship. Um, you know, fair call. No problem. So yeah. I'm not proud of what I do. I try my best. So, you know, let's see. Well, thanks for some great years. Appreciate it. Save it till the end of the season. Let's get promoted. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's just the reality of the situation. That's life. As you know, kids yourself. And uh, you know, they, they take the priority. You know, at some stage you have to go, right, my kids. And, uh, you know, I've missed a lot of time with my children because of football, you know. Even my third one that was born, the day she was born, I flew out to a Leicester game. Peterborough beat Leicester 2 and on the road. remember when we finished second that season? So, uh, yeah, so I can't do that anymore. Um, and, and as somebody younger like Levi, you, you'd understand that, you know what I mean? And whatever else, you've got a young brother. Sometimes you've got to put your attention on your family. They're more important than anything else. Um, you know, that's, that's where I am. So, yeah, all good. Um John, any last comments or questions before we wrap up? Yeah, I think we could speak for hours. Um, but thanks for having us on, especially after that last question um, or response from you, Dara. There's loads I could ask. But um, I'll stick to the question that I was going to ask before you said that. And it was about um, the contractual situation, mainly of Joe Ward, but in general too. Um, we haven't had sort of a, a key player sign a long-term contract at Posh for some time now, I would say. We've had sort of Beavers and Pim after we got promoted, but I wouldn't class them as necessarily key players. And I think time has 
proven that. Um, why do you think the reason for that is? And can we get an update on Joe Ward, I guess, is, sure. is my two-part well, question. I think the reason is, is that, you know, you don't want players to be with Peterborough longer than three or four years. You know, for us to work and the model to work and everything else, three, four-year cycle, that's how it works. You sell them up, you know, and we move on to the next batch and we try and evolve and develop as a club. Um, if you're in the championship and you're there for a period of time, it's rare even a player would stay a year. Would appear if, if we'd stayed in the champ, say finish 15th, and let's say I don't know, Clark Harris got 15 goals, or Joel Randall by some miracle played 50 games and got 15 assists. Do you think they're going to be with Peterborough in year two? Because you know, when we're in League One, we find it difficult to stop champ clubs plucking our players. If you're in the champ, you're gonna you got no chance of stopping Prem clubs pl plucking your players. So. You know, we brought in like Clark Harris, Jack Taylor, a lot of them came two and a half years ago. They're on long-term contracts. The other thing I try and do now is have insurance and contracts and have an option year, if not two option years in some of them as well. So who are the next contracts up? One would be Joe Ward. I'm already in discussions, made an offer to his agent. You know, he says, no, I'm negotiating. And then you're back in play. That's normal. Um, we're negotiating a couple of younger ones, contracts, extensions for Charlie O'Connell, Joe Taylor. Um, Jack Taylor, we would start probably next summer. Um, Jono, we have an option on him as well. So we would again start next summer if he's not sold. And that's really it. There's no one else in there. A lot of the assets and the, the younger ones and the talents are all on long-term deals, John. There's, there's nobody that's like screaming out. You know, people will say, well, Dembele's contract ran down. Yeah, but take the COVID year out of it. He would have gone a year earlier. We would have won promotion. You know, or he would have signed the new contract. You know, he was with us for, I think it was three or four seasons. Um, you know, there's no players that sign. I don't spend our money and sign players on two-year deals. They're usually on three, four, or three, four plus one. Uh, and I think it's a good policy. Um, we don't usually take a bath in any of those contracts. You guys will say, well, Christy Pym, Mark Beavers. Okay. Yeah, we gave, we gave out extensions. We were too loyal maybe to some players. You know, hindsight's a great thing. Manager wanted to reward his players. Maybe he should have been more ruthless. Well, you know, did it for the right reasons. Sometimes you do things for the right reasons, but you get the wrong results. So you, you can't keep apologizing for trying to do the right thing. So um, it's, there's, there's no perfect science to what we do. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes people like Levi, Dean Gow, and whatever else enjoy when that happens. I'm joking, Levi. I get it right most of the time, to be fair. So. Listen, I'm sure you do, but and listen, in the world you work in, you have to. Otherwise, people can lose their bollocks, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, he's thinking, how the fuck does he know what I do for a living? So at the, at the end of the day, you know, that's just the way it is. There is no perfect science to what we do. It's like, um, you know, oh, I'm hearing right now, a friend of mine has just put up a thing. I'm just seeing that. Ian Gow has just tweeted out, the estate agent is obsessed with me. See what I'm doing? <laughs> so, so either he's listening because Levi's got his phone on over there, and that's why he knows what we're talking about right now, which... <laughs> If that's true, okay, fine, but at least I'm up to that. But he's obviously listening, or he's been messaged. Ian, Ian messaged me going, I guarantee Darren's going to make a mention. Darren's going to make a comment to me tonight, isn't, isn't he? Oh, I said, yeah, he did. Look, I, I'm, at the end of the day, I, Ian Gow's obsessed with me. He's proven in there, proof in the pudding. What can I say? Listen, you get some fucking weirdos out there, there's just another one. Good luck to him. And I hope he's baking his wife a great cake tonight. You know I, mean? I, I think it all stems from the fact that you've never. You, if you try this, try this bacon. I'm sure it would all be forgiven, Dara. I think that's. I'll tell you really right now, Levi. He would probably fucking poison me. So there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, Ian? Ian genuinely went went to a commentary last year. Ian turns up in the away end with three 
boxes of cakes that he was handing out to all to everyone in the away end that day. So you know, he's a he's Ian's a he's a nice guy, but you know, he's, a, he's, he's putting his... messages out that I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> So, so on that note, I guess I'll bring everything to a close here. Um, I do want to thank uh, Levi, Burks, John for joining us, for being open to the conversation, you know, for sharing some of the areas of concern you had with me beforehand. I hope that we got to cover um, everything that you wanted to cover. Um, and Dara, of course, for being a spot and kind of listening and, uh, and being able to, uh, you know, share your it's kind of the way that why you approach. I think that's what's most important. People don't get to see necessarily the reasonings behind why you do the things you do. You may not agree with those. You may agree with those, but at least that's all you can do is put on the table why you do the things that you do. Hey, I'm a football fan. You know, there's not everything I agree with that Liverpool do. You know, that's that's just the way it is. Of course, you're like you, you get frustrated, you get irritated, and if your team's not winning, it's open season. Um, you know, all I'd say there is is that occasionally I'll say positive stuff about my football team as well. So when you find yourself, I would always say the acid test for anyone is, go and look at your last 10 tweets to do with a subject and ask yourself, do you need to wobble your head? Because if the last 10 tweets you've made about the same subject are just completely negative, 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 wobble your head. Because then you have to ask yourself, why are you doing this? And I say that same to my kids. You know, sometimes be a bit more positive about everything. Don't always be down on everything. Do you know what I mean? So that wasn't a dig at anyone, by the way. That's just like, just look at it for what it is. Look at the overall picture, you know? But listen, I've enjoyed it. Always happy to do it anytime. Ian Gow, if he ever finds his testicles, I would welcome him on the podcast. I, I wouldn't bet on that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely <laughs> fucking right. Because, yeah. <laughs> but happy to have anyone on. Happy to debate with people. You know, I think it's very important that you be able to say, say how you feel you know, talk the truth and uh, not everyone's going to agree with it, but you can only put your best foot forward, right? It's not easy owning a football club, guys. I'll tell you that right now, but uh, you do your best and that's all that matters. All right. Well, on that note, let's uh, wrap things up for today. Uh, of course, we'll be back next uh, Wednesday. So uh, we'll have another podcast as usual. Until then, if you do have any questions, there may be questions that came out of today's discussion, any posh fans, uh, you can feel free to send those over to us. That's contact at hardtruthfootball.com. So with that being said, thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. Cheers.